Hey everyone, it's Dan at the Spiritual Underground Podcast coming to you from the studio at DTM Enterprises. Um, get the commercials out of the way. Well, now let's say this. This is primarily a uh, 12-step recovery-based podcast. So if you're looking to maybe the get the monkey off your back and uh, you're poking around the internet and you ran into this, you've come to the right place. Uh, this 12 Steps has saved the lives of millions of people, and, uh, and, and that's the message that we're here to carry today. Uh, I'm sure, because I know I don't know everything, that's another miracle of 12 Steps. Uh, I can actually say I know I don't know everything. Uh, I'm sure there's some other ways to get sober, but this is the only one that I'm aware of, and I know that it works, and I've witnessed it in, uh, in, in, in and around here now for, well, frankly, uh, eight years sober and another four uh watching other people get sober except for me so for 12 years i've been playing around in these courts speaking of that a lot of people maybe don't have the spiritual malady show up in their lives in the way of a drug addiction or alcohol or gambling or obesity or uh compulsive overeating undereating uh any of the other ways that this that the 12 steps uh work you know there's some probably a hundred or something i think the last time i've looked 12 step fellowships that that use these same 12 steps to to overcome these hurdles in life but what if you don't have any of that or what if none of it is like the overwhelming uh, uh issue you know uh but what you can maybe you've told yourself is uh, uh there's got to be more to life than this surely there's more to than, to life than what than this and so we have an answer for you now uh here in the louisville area there's a program called 12 step spiritual recovery which is uh the 12 steps for anyone and everyone you do not have to be an addict alcoholic although if those things are in your life you can you're welcome to uh we are a come as you are 12 step group uh, you can go to 12stepspiritualrecovery.com and you can see the meeting schedule. Uh, at least one of them on Thursday nights is Zoom. So you, no matter where you're at in the world, you could join that meeting and uh, try out and, and get a taste of the 12-step tools and see if maybe that's what you need. Maybe that is part of what's missing in your life. Uh, it's given me a set of operating principles that I didn't have prior to this. Also, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery is a book in book form is available on Amazon.com by James Christopher Cohn. You can find that uh, as well. Thank you, Darren Frank, for the music you allow me to wrap around this podcast, and we'll get down to business. You know, this is the wonderful thing of uh, watching. I say it episode after episode, just how beautiful it is to watch people come in. You know, uh, nobody, I, I've yet to see anybody come in like, I need this. You know, uh, they come in dragging a bit or somewhat uh, uh, somewhat in a non-receptive mode for this. But it's like a throw of the dice. It's like, OK, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll throw the dice and see if this will work. And uh, and my guests today kind of seem, at least from my observation, came in with quite a bit of hesitancy about whether if this was going to work for him or not. And we'll hear more about that today. Uh, how's it going, Jake? It's going great, Dan. How are you today, bud? Doing good, man. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you say your sobriety date. Uh, my name is Jake Boyer. I am definitely an alcoholic. My sobriety date is June 27th of 2022. Makes just a couple weeks shy of the big one-year mark. Big we year. We were just talking about that. I'm going to say, uh, oh, wow. You're, uh, you're, you're, you and Josh's birthday are actually the night we celebrate. Oh, yeah, we know that. Trust yeah, me. I was yeah, like, it's a miracle, dude. Yeah. You couldn't write a better book. You couldn't write a better perfect, story man. than that. Yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. I've had a couple of mine land like that, too, and it's uh, particularly special when you're actually celebrating. flip side of that is, is that uh, 
Well, I haven't had one of my last eight ones land like that because I got sober on the first day of the month, so I'll have to wait till the last. And sometimes that's been sometimes that's been from the first, which is my date. The Tuesday the month is on the thirty first, so right. I had to wait the whole month. I joke around and tell people that if, when you're brand new, if it's not too late, you might want to change your sobriety date to someplace mid month. You know, that makes if sense. Not, if it's real late. You can end up getting bumped, and we don't tend to bump guys to next year, especially on a one first birthday. You know, uh, I know a few guys we've allowed to celebrate, and it's a little bit sacrilegious. Uh, See, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I, I would honestly wait until July. I swear to God, I would have. Yep, to like, their own on that. That for is sure. my day. That is uh-huh. like. I, I can't wait. It's the day after my God-given birthday, so this will be my uh, the 26th will be my first sober birthday. I'll be awesome. 45, and then the cool. next because I had to go out with a bang, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, it'll be one year that. Trust me, my first birthday is a lot more important than my 41st birthday. Yep, I've got I plenty know. of those nightmares. I got sober at 45. Uh, always seems like uh, I don't know that. There's some window between 35 and 45 kind of thing. I think it's like a midlife crisis thing where started just, around 40. stuff stops working for you. Started around you start 40. Going, hey, man, this is not really working anymore, but I can't stop. This is just not. Honestly, Dan, I'll be honest with you. I knew I was an alcoholic when I was 30, but I, I, because I drank, you know, I knew I was like, I have to drink every day, but I kept it together until yeah. about 40. Well, about 38 is when it just got ugly. And I was just like, all right. And then the starting and the white knuckle in it, because I never walked into an AA meeting until, um, you know, almost a year ago. Yeah. So I'm a, still a newcomer. Be a newcomer till the day I die, I think. Yeah, that's God. the attitude I think we need to keep. Uh, you can't for, says cannot that. forget what got I'll, you here. Jesus Christ. Got to keep it green. That's one reason why I got to keep on coming to meetings, because uh, there's a funny little thing about us forgetting that we're alcoholics. And that's not exactly right. Because somewhere in there, you know, but it's that mental blank spot thing that happens. And, 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 you know, Charlie even said that, you know, he forgot he was an alcoholic for lack of a better term, you know, and Bill says in the book, you know, there you are banging on the bars. How did I get here? (laughs) How did I get here again? So, uh, (laughs) so apropos, uh, where'd you grow up at? Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Alamogordo, New Mexico, uh, June 26, 1978, uh, my, both my parents were in the, the military. My dad was in the Army. My mom was in the Air Force. Uh, we ended up moving to Louisville. I don't know why. My mom is from Knoxville, Tennessee. My dad's from Iowa. I guess they just met in the middle. So mm. it was just me, my brother, my mom, and my dad moved here. Uh, so you got just sibling? I have a brother, and then I have a uh, stepsister and a stepbrother on uh, my father's side, which I really don't. I definitely don't lay claim to my uh, stepbrother. But uh, that's a whole other story. Of a, yeah. We'll probably get into that resentment here in a little bit. But, I was uh, curious about, I don't know, people where they grew up and where they're, how many siblings they have. Yeah, you know, uh, my brother is uh, a lot him. better of a man than me. Hmm. We'll put it that way. Uh, my younger brother is probably my best friend in the world. I married the first girl he kissed. Uh, owns Ink and Dagger Tattoo Shop. If you want to get tattooed by the best tattoo artist in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, his wife's a stay-at-home wife. He's got two beautiful kids. I've got a daughter who's uh, awesome. She's going to uh, graduate with her bachelor's degree a year early from Kentucky. So uh, apparently I did something right. Somewhere in the madness, I at least uh, got a really cool... I think she just saw me and knew what not to do. So (laughs) she kept it together. Yeah. She's awesome. She's my life. What was uh, growing up, what was home life like? Uh, My dad is definitely one of us. Um, My mom had, uh, God rest her soul, but... uh, she battled severe uh, mental illness 
so uh, life was rough. They got uh, divorced very early on in my life. Uh, Dad stuck with the Army, so he was never home. Um, my mom ended up becoming a mechanic at Naval Ordnance. Hmm. She was the only lady mechanic. My mom was six foot tall. Wow. And I don't know, if I didn't look just like my dad, I'd ask questions, because yeah. I'm definitely the runt. But uh, my mom, uh, she ruled the house with an iron fist. I mean, there was no bullshitting. I mean, like... I, my mother was like I'd rather get spanked by my father than my mother because mm. my mom was blind mom didn't have no aim you know you'd be <laughs> bleeding I'm not kidding from the back of your neck to the back of your kneecap she'd hit you with whatever she could pick up but I loved her I always forgave her for her faults uh, I mean she was like when I say clinically I mean they ended up the last couple of years of her life they just paid her to stay at home she got a crazy check I, I hate to say that because I mean hell I battle my own mental illnesses but uh, so life was rough I mean me and my brother pretty much all raised ourselves and mm. uh you know, like, I always said that I was his dad till he turned about 20, and then he had to start babysitting me when I became completely wrapped up in the madness, you know. But, uh, so life was just weird, man. Really didn't know my dad very well. Uh, and he's there. He was there. I'd see him every once in a while. But, I mean, I know there was, you know, times I'd go years without seeing him. Really? And, uh, you know, my male role model growing up was a guy named Donnie. Uh, him and my mom were together for 33 years. He was an outlaw, wolf outlaw, biker. Mm. Uh, tattoos. My mom always asked why I have so many tattoos, and I'm like, yeah, you saw what you brought home for a role model, you know, but uh, life was just weird. We grew up poor. I grew up in Americana Apartments. If anyone knows where that's from Louisville, uh, it's predominantly uh, black and uh, Vietnamese. So if you're a white boy, which I am, uh, you had to toughen up quick. There's a lot of racism in the south end of Louisville. Uh, Screw up fighting. I mean, I'm not the, the biggest guy in the world, but I never back down from one. I've taken my fair share of ass kickings. We can drive around Louisville. I can tell you every bar I've been beat up in, and it's the majority of them. I've been thrown out of every fine establishment in this city. But uh, grew up in Americana, uh, smart kid, went to the Brown School, got accepted in the Brown School. Hmm. Uh, I know you'd never know it now, but. Uh, I was going to ask you how you did in school. Oh, straight A student. Uh, Menza at the age of 15. Wow. I was Menza level intelligence at the age of 15. Uh, it's just this, uh, this disease had me at an early age. I was an alcoholic long before I took my first drink. Yeah. You know, uh, I tell everybody my first addiction was sex. I mean, I was 15 years old and all of a sudden that started and I was like, oh, <laughs> we can get down with this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but uh, growing up, I had my main clique of friends. Uh, we called ourselves the family. Well, I'll be honest, we were a gang. I mean, we, you know, there was 12 of us. We all have matching tattoos. But, uh, of course, I was the first one to introduce weed and beer and all that. Hmm. But uh, but about, about my junior year of high school, I had a little straight-laced girlfriend, and I stayed on the straight and narrow forever through, the, like, the last couple years of high school. I mean, I was a straight-A student, didn't drink, didn't do any drugs. I didn't want to be my dad. You know, I thought I had found my perfect life, you know, she went to college. I went to professional wrestling school, and a lot of things changed. <laughs> so, no, my, I mean, my upbringing, I think every alcoholic, that's probably where a lot of it comes from, is that, that I'm going to try to say PG, that just just insane childhood. I yeah, think that's, that's like after the number is. one thing we all have in common is dad probably wasn't there and mom was probably insane but she did the best she could so you forgive your mom which is insane like i can look back on it now and i'm like that's abuse yeah i mean i remember being 15 and this is a true story i cannot remember what me and my mother were arguing about but i straight up looked at her and said f you and she just looked at me and punched me as hard as she could in the face 
knocked me, damn near knocked me out while at the hospital getting my lip stitched up. The doctor's like, what happened? My mom's like, I hit that little MFR. And back, you know, we're talking damn near 30 years ago. And he's stitching my lip up. He's like, shouldn't back talk your mama. Nowadays, they'd locked her ass up. I mean, my mom... At least be an investigation. Oh, yeah. I mean, mom ruled with an iron fist. I mean, hell, when I was 16, I had to pay rent. Really? Yeah. She's like, you're old enough to work and get a job. You owe me $200 a month. I'm in school. She's like, you can work. Mom was just... That's the way it was. I mean, she was just brutal. I mean... It made me who I am. I just toughened us up a little bit, me and my brother, you know. I just, but uh, like I said, my brother's, he's 6'2", about 220. So that whole me being able to, we're only like 18 months apart. Mm. So that whole bullying and shit, that went out the window by the time I was 13. He was already bigger than me. But uh, now I just grew up wild, just fighting. That's how I grew up, was just fighting. I mean, my end of town was just, if anyone knows the Taylor Boulevard area, all that, it's just rowdy. I mean, I've done things that only they're only step five material. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things in my earlier, especially my teenage and young adult years that. Uh, Is this fighting mostly like uh, antler rattling, kind of who's the baddest ass, or was there reasons that were turf kind of things? A lot or? of times it was racial, to be honest. You know, uh, where I grew up, you were supposed to be intimidated if you were white. Hmm. And I didn't look at it that way. So uh, there's a lot of just. You know, like, I got jumped one time. Uh, I had long hair. I got jumped by four black guys. They collapsed one of my lungs from kicking me while I was down. Wow. And they burnt half my hair off mm-hmm. on the side of my head. So, I had second-degree burns on the side of my head. So, then I shaved my head after that. And uh, it just was what it was. I mean, it just, it was, my neighborhood was weird. Like, a lot of people were just, for lack of a better word, punks. Like, they just allowed themselves to be bullied. And me and my friends didn't. Mm-hmm. Which... I guess it was like y'all think y'all no we got you like we weren't we just weren't scared it, but we always ran seven eight deep everywhere we went for that reason you know and uh and then just yeah and then after that it's just like different ends of town like the the highlands kids didn't get along with the south end kids or the you know like you know i was real big in like the punk rock hardcore and heavy metal scene growing up and it's weird like the different genre of bands they would play together but for whatever reason their fan bases wouldn't like each other and like just massive fights would break out at concerts and for no reason I just like well shit we're fighting you wouldn't even know why you were fighting it's like well I'm just hitting some other dude in the face my friends are hitting them so yeah a lot of them insanities I mean god I remember when the uh, mother of my child was pregnant a brawl broke out in a venue here in Louisville and it was like a 50 on 10 beating and I was just trying to get her out of there mm. shit I was 23 at the time I mean like I said it carried over into my youth and god and then when you go back on the wrestling road days of course you know you'll be out at a bar or something like oh you wrestlers that shit's fake, fake. And that always that ended bad for somebody yeah. I mean just beer bottle to the face whatever like when I when I was in wrestling school there was still what they call kayfabe and that was the art of not letting people know that it, people still thought it was real and you still treated it as it was real you know if you're a good guy you wouldn't be caught dead sitting in a bar after a show drinking a beer with a bad guy 
that was just forbidden. So yeah. somebody yeah. said the word fake. It was keep kind the of, image up and it was an unwritten rule. If somebody said it was fake, you swung. Mm-hmm. That was just the way. It, here's my 170 pound ass. Here, that's I it. I take it real easy on me. He just put me to sleep. <laughs> well, uh, I used to always say it when I was wrestling. Like the fans would get drunk. They'd always want to fight a wrestler. Guess who they wanted to fight was my little ass. I'm like, how about you fight the six foot six, 280 yeah, pound guy? Him. Yeah, I was like, you ain't talking shit to him. I yeah. you. Come here, come here, Nick. Get, take care of my light work over here. My brother had an Australian pen pal when it was like in grade school and they stayed in touch I remember having to do it too you know and you wrote a couple letters or something and that was it well he stayed in touch with his forever and uh, and he it's mandatory military in yes. the, over there for a couple years I think and when he come out of that he went and became a professional wrestler and uh, wrestled in Japan a lot. Oh, good for him. There. Yeah, there's a lot of Australians uh, around. He went under the name of Mark Mercedes. And, uh, but at one point, he came over here. He actually stayed here because back when I was growing up, that upstairs is also like a studio apartment where oh, dad nice. lives. And anybody would come in town or whatever, mom, dad's friends come in town, they could stay up there and have their own little space and whatever. So when he came here, he came here and he flew, you know, he drove. I guess when you're from uh, Australia, it's just like flat nothing to drive from here to Atlanta. Right, right. <laughs> seven hours, yeah. no problem. Yeah. So that's what he drove down there to do some, and he was on TV, you know, he did some kind of. Uh, if he was doing Atlanta, he was with WCW. Yeah, he was, he was doing some WCW. kind of, what, what the hell do you call it? Damn it, tryouts. Uh, they, well, if, uh, they had, a, they had, he a, was doing some kind of deal where he was trying to get in with that. Yeah, they had, a, they used to have their, like, per se, performance center down in Atlanta. That was when WCW was still around. And I went down there once, and that was the hard thing about me wrestling was because of my size. It was hard to get noticed. Yeah, but, it was big. Yeah, most of, most of the guys are, but that's why, I mean, I was just a gymnast, so yeah. I could do all them. And I did get noticed. Just yeah. Well, we were out drinking one night at a friend's house, you know, and I was drunk and was mouthing off and doing that thing, and I dropped that fake bullshit well, thing. knocked the piss out of you. Know? He, he took it easy on me, I think, because I was, you know, I was the brother of his pen pal that he was visiting, you know. So he just grabbed me up and put me in a sleeper and I woke up and he's looking down at me. That's fake, huh? Yeah. I've seen it happen way too many times. Yeah, I was like, he could have crushed me, but he took it easy on me. Too many times, man. I still know him. He's a friend on Facebook, and he's you know he's uh, he's old as me, you know. And yeah, so, so he would not, have a couple years on me. He's not wrestling anymore, but he's got his own little. He's running his own little. He's got a wrestling thing. He's probably got a wrestling school. He's probably got a wrestling school. And they go and around. I see him. They go do shows, and they do all, stuff. And all of your wrestling schools usually have a promotion too. You know, like I trained. Uh, I trained at OVW, which is now in Louisville, but it was over here. It was in Jeffersonville. It was on mm-hmm. Mechanic Street, and you know we had to pay to learn how to wrestle and just get abused. You know, wrestling school, everybody, like, again, they think that, oh, you know, everybody's like, how do you make them big slappy sounds when they hit each other in the chest? I'm like, you hit someone as hard as you can. Like, how do you, what, what about what about the blood? I'm like, it's real blood. We had razor blades and the tape on our wrists and cut ourselves. They're like, excuse me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, do a thumbtack match and you'll know all about, like, how do you get those in your, they're in my skin. Will you help me pull them out? Somebody help me out. They're like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's just, we're stupid. Yeah. I'm getting you paid 150 high bucks tonight. For pain. I'm getting paid 150 bucks tonight, and I've cut myself with a razor blade, and I have 200 thumbtacks stuck in me. Tonight was yeah. a win, you know. This might be able to support my drug habit tonight, you know, so that's the way that. Yeah. Madness. Madness. So, uh, how, so how old were you when you started that? Right I was 18. Out of high school? Straight, straight out. Uh, went to work doing construction work. And still wasn't even a drinker, like not a big drinker yet. You know, might have a beer or two every once in a while. Uh, went to wrestling school, 
about six months in is when I had my first. They wouldn't let me wrestle till I weighed at least 165 pounds. Hmm. And they all kept trying to convince me to be a referee because I was so small. I'm like, God damn it. I paid $2,400 to learn how to wrestle. I'm going to live my dream. One way or another, I'm going to live my dream. So I ate a lot of potatoes. I didn't discover steroids so I was about 19 or 20. Hmm. But uh, I did it. And uh, I wrestled for Danny Davis at Ohio Valley Wrestling. I don't have a negative word to say to that man. Uh, like a dummy, I left him because I started getting noticed and was going other places. And he told me one day I had to choose. Well, I didn't like someone giving me an ultimatum. So I was like, well, all right, thank you for training me. Everything else I left. Six months later, he's got to deal with the WWE for their developmental. I'm like, well, I've really dropped the ball on that one. I could possibly be a millionaire right now, but that is what it is. You know, I mean, I ended up getting hurt anyway, so it don't matter. Then we're some, uh, some very, very rowdy, because it's like being in a band. People don't understand. You're not getting rich. I still had a day job. You know, I'd drive to Detroit, Michigan when I got off you work. 150 a night to get the shit beat out of you. Yeah, and I yeah. charge an hour to turn rich. Oh, hell, when, when I started, you didn't get paid. I'd drive to Nashville for free just to get my name out there. I'm like, I bled, I cut my, I'm going to have a permanent scar, and I got zero money. But there's nothing like that rush of being out there in front of people. Yeah, you know, like, something to that. Well, you know, I mean, this is like a, you were talking about the sex thing and all that. You know, I mean, it's a lot of this dopamine deal. Yeah, that never, that's, that's what we are. That does that charges you up, you know, and and we will seek that. Well, first off, I think we got deficiency. Right, that's one of the things in the beginning. It takes up a great deal to get us where we need to be, where we feel like we should be. Yeah, and sex and crowds and notoriety and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Hell, it, even those fights. Oh yeah, I, I love just getting in fist. Even if I took an ass whooping, you know, it's like well. Which was a lot, you know. I, it still I always, makes the dopamine pump. Oh, yeah, I used to run around with a guy. He told me he's like, I ain't never lost a fight, and I've never slept with an ugly girl. I said, You're a virgin who's never been in a fight. I was like, You lying son of a bitch. I was like, We've all done things we're ashamed of, you know. I was like, Everybody's having their ass kicked if they've been in a fight. I don't care. Good one. My nose been well. Actually, my nose has only been broken in a fight. Well, it's been broken three times. Once by a female. She was good looking though, Dan. We'll get into my history of women. Once by a female, once wrestling, and once in a fist fight. That's why it's crooked in hmm. the one I nostril. Can't even tell. Uh, it's, it's always been set, but this nostril's kind of messed up. But that was from. I've other... been a number of times, but there's always sports. Catching right. baseball in the nose or an elbow playing basketball or. I played baseball. I played baseball growing up. My whole I was a hell of a second baseman. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the arm to play shortstop. Mm-hmm. So I just got clobbered trying to turn double plays all the yep. time. You know, so. Yeah, I was probably never going to be. The, I, I was just the average kid playing. I was. You know, I was pretty I was good. Never, I was okay. Well, I wasn't no superstar. You know, I got a cousin. too white, first off. (laughs) I got a cousin who uh, pitched double-A and triple-A ball for 20 years. Really? He finally just gave it up. You know, Mm -hmm. it was funny, too. It was about 10 years ago. I was in, like, a mini, like, out-of-retirement phase of wrestling. And I called him, and I was like, dude, you're 40. You're not going to make it to the big leagues. Like, what are you doing? He goes, well... I get paid a pretty healthy salary to live my dream. He goes, didn't you roll around in broken glass like two weeks ago for a hundred bucks? I'm making a little more than that. I was like, touche, sir, you win. He's like, I love doing it. Doing what I love. He got called up twice. It wasn't pretty either time. (laughs) Tough odds, man. All that stuff is, you know, any of those kind of high profile into things, man. It's a lottery draw almost to get where you can make that. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got friends that are millionaires from wrestling now, but, you know, they're definitely the exception to the rule. Yeah, it is. You yeah. know, I mean, I, like I used to tell people when they would be like, well, I want to be a pro wrestler. I'm like, do it because you love it, not because you think you're going to get rich. Yeah. Because less can't. than, yeah. like, I was considered getting rich wrestling and I wasn't getting rich. You know what I mean? Like, I got to wrestle for just a year and a half if that was my job. Yeah. You know, I was big time. No, I'm on TV. Hell, I got an action figure still broke as hell, you know, driving a 1997 Chevy Blazer, you know, with 340,000 miles on it. Do it because you love it, you know, like when, because I get asked, still get asked to wrestle. I'm like, absolutely not. I wrestled about three years ago. And uh, the only reason I did was because uh, a guy that was a good friend of mine, had pa- he's passed and his son was having his first match. And he called me, he's like, I'm having my first match. I'm like, hell yeah, man. He's a change this kid's diapers. He's like, I need a tag team partner. I'm like, oh, who's going to be your partner? He's like, I'm you. I was like, oh, okay. My dumb ass did a backflip off the top rope to the concrete. Just, there's a hundred people there. I got all excited. I was like, here goes nothing. I was laying on the ground like nothing's broke. That's still awesome match. I don't care, though. Fuck it. Pin me and pay me. Who cares? Yeah. So a year and a half, how long do you think, you said, a minute ago you said a year and a half. What do you mean a year and a half? You said a rep, was a professional wrestler. For oh, a, I professional wrestled. said something about Well, no, like a, a year and a half is when I actually just did that, before I was actually making good enough money to where I really didn't have to do anything. But no, I wrestled, I got hurt, let me think. I, I saw when I was 18, and then I messed my shoulder up really bad when I was 23. I'd already, you know, had numerous broken this and that messed it up wrestling yeah but blew my shoulder out bad and uh because i mean you also said something about construction work and i know a lot of guys yeah, hurt doing that yeah too. but uh so at that point i was still doing construction work a little bit and i blew my shoulder out and i didn't rehab it right i didn't take care of it right and then i blew it again and i was like all right i need to step away and have surgery I was like, I've got to have this surgery. You know, I've got to do something. So, and like, uh, I've got a giant tattoo on my back. My wrestling name was the Suicide Kid. So I have the Suicide King, which is the King of Hearts. And he's next to the Queen of Hearts, but the Jack of Spades is seducing her. Mm. And it's the Suicide King kid, but he's killed himself because his first love was taken away from him, which Mm. was wrestling. So I knew I had to have surgery. And, but wait, before I was going to have surgery, I found out I was going to be a dad. Mm. So my wrestling dream just got crushed. You know, life happened. I was like, all right, I've got, and that's when drinking happened. Because, and I really think a lot of it was, a lot of it was depression, but like you were saying, I didn't have those dopamines anymore. You know, but when I was wrestling, shit, dude, I used to just walk around the crowd and have my hand out, and they'd give me every pill or substance or whatever, and I was the guy that would just be like, fuck it, let's see what happens, and just eat it all, you know? But, uh, yeah, when I found out I was going to be a dad, the drinking really kind of picked up, and, you know, I didn't have that wrestling money no more, so I needed a part-time job, so bartending. It seems with my, my stunning personality, I figured I could make some good money, and all I did, but bartending for an alcoholic is a uh, not a great idea. By the way, I still bartend in recovery. I know that's insane, but I do do it. But uh, no, I uh, started bartending, and then just the wheels, there's like a 20-year blur of insanity. Like Most people are like, wrestling was crazy. I'm like, no, it was like. Because I would still wrestle sporadically, even after I had shoulder surgery. But I just couldn't do the stuff I used to do, so I couldn't devote myself to it. That window had passed. I knew in my mind that there was never going to be that shot to get to where I was about to be. Where I was like right on that cusp of being someone famous, like super famous. Because I was there. you know, I was in all the magazines and all that stuff. Like I had made a buzz about myself, but then that got taken away. And I, there was no way I could ever get back in the shape I was in because I couldn't lift right. 
So I just wrestled for fun after that. You know, I'd go wrestle for 50 bucks somewhere, but I wouldn't do the insane shit anymore. Still would every once in a while. But uh, no, just being a daddy was so overwhelming to me. And then uh, I think the biggest part was when her mother left. And it wasn't that her mother left, because trust me, I'm the reason she left. You know, she was ready to be a have a family and my dumb ass had just started really partying you know because she was a party girl i had met my match she was gorgeous there's no ill will between me and that woman she's an amazing mother uh she's in the program also uh we both got sober around the same time (laughs) this go round um very proud of her for that so my daughter is very exposed she knows what's up now and uh pray to god that you know she she makes me nervous because she's a kid you know, but I don't think this bug has got her, got her yet. But I mean, I tell her all the time, it's like, it's got you. It's in your genes. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's in there. It's You've got a demon just like I do. It's just whether or not you let it come all the way. It's always going to be here. Yep. I, I just, you know, my brother doesn't drink and he knows why. You know, he's like, fuck, I drink, I get drunk. You know, so he won't drink. Yeah. I see, he might drink twice a year. And what he does, he gets drunk. You know, it's just, it's in our genes. You know, it's in your genes. It's in my genes, you know? It's uh, alcoholism. I, addiction is what's terrifying, no matter what you're addicted to. Anything that has control over you. And I think... Any compulsive behavior that and, is causing negative consequences and you still can't stop. Yeah, and I think all alcoholics are more than just alcoholics. You know, I've had gambling problems in the past. I've yeah, definitely I have a problem had, with anything that does that for me. Yeah, anything that gives me a rush is, and I think that's just where we're all wired differently, you know? Like, that's what I mean about that dopamine deficiency. It takes some extra level shit to get me where I feel like I should be, which well, is, you know, some false, false perception in the first place because, you know, that's just not where the humans ride. Right. You know, you but know, for some reason, that's where I feel like I need to be. It's like when I bartended, and, you know, I bartend for the people, and they're like, you know what, Jake, I've had enough. Just get me a water. I was like, why could I have never been you? Yeah. That, that shit. Now, I went to bed every night with a beer on my nightstand for 20 years. You know, I'm going to wake up. Ah, it's still kind of cold and kill it. You know, there, there's not an off switch with me. No matter what I do, like, I tell everybody, no matter what it is in my life, the chips are in. I'm, I'm go for broke. And that's that's what's scary about having the... Uh, well, that'll work well for you in recovery. So far, it's, it's, it's treat me good. It's treat me good. Uh, because half measures availed us nothing, you know. And, you know, and that's a lot of alcoholics have that, but some of them don't. And they, they come in here like we were talking, and they get well, and then they go back to what there's no their way. life. There's, there's no way. I proved to myself that wasn't going to work for me. Every, I tried it. Every time I'm like, I'll take the night off, you know, I'm like, shit, man, I should have went to a meeting. I mean, and, and anyone who says they don't need meetings anymore – I don't ever want to be that person. Yep, me neither. You know, I and I and I do tell everybody, I did not get sober to go to meetings. I got sober to to live life. To live life. I don't think I've ever lived life. You know, you were talking about that piece of time, you know, it feels like there's like a blanket over top of this piece of my life where, you know, and I know I experienced it, but I still rather unclear, you yeah. know. And at times in recovery some things will come to light, you know, I'll my the past is becoming more clear and longer I stay sober. Uh, but there was a veil over a piece of my yeah, life that I, I didn't feel like I participated in it. Friday, I was just an actor. Friday at one of my other meetings that I call it the Gay Club, which is the Louisville Pride meeting. They all know I call it the Gay Club. I'm not picking on them in any way. Uh, my best friend's homosexual, but uh, we went and the topic was on being overwhelmed in sobriety, and it hit home so much because 
you know how it is when you're in a meeting you actually have to think before you speak it's not like being on a retreat and someone just hands you a bucket and you're screwed but you got to pull something out but no i got to thinking about it like I don't think I ever really, I don't, I think I'm learning what feelings and emotions are now. Cause I don't think as an adult, I ever really had them, you know? Cause like when I got my 11th month token, like, I don't know. I just broke down. Like mm-hmm. I just stared at it at home, bawling and crying. And I was like, I've been getting one every month. You know, I don't know if it's like real now, like, holy shit, I'm actually doing something right. But I've never like. You know, like people's birthdays, I cry. I cry all the time. I'm a sap, so I'll be a freaking wreck here in about three weeks. But, uh, you know, like, I look at everybody different now. Like, happiness is different now. I don't know if maybe it's just what this is what being content feels like. But whatever it is, I like it. I like whatever I have now. It definitely ain't that shit show that I had for 20 years. Like, and you know, everybody thinks it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. No, shit still happens, and it sucks. But, you know, it's just never again. Never again can I let myself go to that place. And I pray to God I never do. I mean, it's one day at a time. Anybody who says I've got this lick's a fucking liar. I don't give a shit who you are. Because mine's still, I mean, I was cleaning up at the bar like a month ago. And I just picked up a beer. And I literally damn near put it to my lips. It was like just a force of habit. I was like, what the hell are you doing? I just chucked it in the car. I wore this last night, Dan. If I smell like booze, I apologize. It was slow last night, though. But, uh... I only got three hours of sleep. It had to be at Ross's. But, uh, no, it's uh, recovery is. And having that energy to do things like run on three hours of sleep and oh, do the things a... that I do today. I don't know how I get done what I get done today. How that. Uh... The missus is like, all you do is work. It's fucking i got time and energy. Let's, let's roll with it, you know? Yeah. I mean. What am going to do? Sit here and watch the TV? I yeah, mean, yeah, it gets old. I mean, uh, recovery. It's a miracle. That it is. And, you know, like, when I get my one-year token, I mean, a year ago, I was in a hospital bed in intensive care. And that wasn't my first time. Like, I shouldn't be here. And the things that happen, like, so many times I would, per se, get what we think is sober before you get into AA, you're just, you're, you're suffering from untreated alcoholism. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just not drinking. You're a miserable human being. And I just keep going back out and it would happen every time. Cause you, I knew better than everybody else. You know I mean? I, I died from drinking. I didn't get my lesson. I flipped a car from drinking. I didn't get my lesson. I got arrested naked on my neighbor's front porch. I didn't get my Countless girls, you know, I should be, if I would have been a sober man, I would have probably been married and happy when I was 20 years old. I've broke so many hearts. You know, there's probably five, six, hell, maybe even 10 women in my past. I go, damn, I've really dropped the ball on that one. You know, because every relationship, you know, of course, when you're in addiction, you look back at every, every screwed up thing that ever happened to you. It was never your fault. Mm-hmm. Get sober and look back on it. Right. Do your step four. Not knowing, because I had no clue what step four was. I refused to cheat. My first call, I walked around my neighborhood cussing everybody that was on that list. F you for doing this to me. Kick with a broken arm. Kiss my ass. Yada, yada. Then we got further to column four, and I was like, wow. Yeah, I see where uh, things would have went a lot differently if I would have uh, handled them situations a little different. And uh, it's the beauty of this program. This program is not about getting sober. It's about finding out who the man or woman you really are. In the peace, it's learning how to love for real. If that makes any sense to anybody. Yep, I know that today. You know, I was I was with the same gal for twenty five years. I didn't. I, I married 
when I was not married, but I hooked up and stayed with her when I was 21 years old. You're a better man. And it went out. Well, I don't know that. (laughs) Because the fact of the matter is, you know, at some point I told you if you was married to a girl like that, you'd drink too. You know, and and a lot of stuff I said I was forced into by her that I didn't want to do, and vice da 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 da, and and my job was stressful, and if you right. had a job like me, you'd drink too, you know. But fact of matter, used that word love a minute ago. You know that poor girl never had a chance. She was beating her head against a mountain that was not going to move exactly. because alcoholism had me, and I didn't know how to love her back. Oh, yeah. I could wake up and give her these little tastes of it, you know. Right. Just enough to wet her appetite. Enough to keep her, keep her hooked for a little while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, but, you know, but when we divorced, you know, I went around town talking about what a bitch she was. Of know? course. Because it and wasn't your fault. She cheated on me. Yeah, and, of course. You know, of and course. all this kind of stuff, you know, and yeah, not the fact the that mud you, and you, all of our mutual friends. I did my best to make sure that I was the winner. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. You're yeah. always. And, and then I always, got sober. And then you and really then realize. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, I mean, and the beauty of being an alcoholic, I ain't never had a successful relationship, but all my other alcoholic and addict buddies or wives would leave or whatever, and I'd tell them what they were doing wrong. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing the same stuff. Like, dude, you're staying out doing meth all night. Of course you fell in the arms of another man, and here I am doing the same. Yep. Well, we, we know it all. Yep. We can't fix ourselves. Yep, I watched a guy that drank, was an alcoholic at work, you know, and I would talk, you know, they need to fire that son of a bitch. You know, and the first stop on my way home from work every day was the store across the street to get beer, enough beer to get me, you know, oh. nonstop from there until it was bedtime. And I had a couple of little kids here, you know, and, uh, you know, supposedly, you know, I, I, doing fatherhood, you know. But. I, I was talking about it. I was like, I wonder how many times I could have got a DUI to take my daughter to school. Yeah. Just from the night before. Right. I mean, I really think back on that. And it's like, it's scary to think that. I didn't drink much at work. Uh, I had a desk job. And so, so, same thing, you know, when I'm going in the mornings, I guarantee you, there was probably a window when I didn't have an illegal blood alcohol content sometime midday. You know? Oh, I know. And, but as soon as I got out of there, when the bell rang and it was time to go, man, the next, the first thing I was doing was shooting to get a beer when, in me as fast as I could. When I worked at the casino, I remember driving, I had to be at work at 7 p.m. and It was 6 o'clock and I was going across the Sherman Minton Bridge. I was like, I'd get a DUI right now. And it was strictly from just partying the night before, you know. Travis yeah. was probably over, if you want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. We were probably up till God knows when. I mean, I look back because, you know, I always said, man, I was a great dad. I'd only drink two or three while she was awake. But as soon as she went to bed, then the hard liquor and, you know, I'd pass out yeah. and get up, you know, splash some water on my face, brush my teeth, get her up, comb her hair, get her clothes out. Probably still drunk. Yep. Yeah. And I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And I guarantee your mother would say the same thing. Yep. And you I know, wasn't like a monster. I wasn't right, mean. I right. didn't beat my kids. I didn't, no. you know, they would, they received some verbal abuse when dad wasn't right. Right. It, uh, yeah, there's yeah. times where they'd push a button and I'd lose my top and stuff like that, you know, and I'd, uh, but still, I know they don't, uh, they deserved a better dad than that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I got so when they were eight and 10. So uh, it's getting to be where both of them has had enough, uh, equal amount of sober dad. Right. As they did. See, my daughter dad. just now has a sober parents. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's never too late, though, dude. No, I mean, there was a lot of, there was years she called me Jake, and I, I deserved to be called Jake. Like, I didn't deserve, I was just a wreck. I was a, like I said, I always drank, but there was like a five-year window. I know I was never sober. I mean, I, I should, I mean, I died. I literally in the doc, once after being in a, a hospital for a month, I don't remember any of it. You know, I remember my brother told me that this was at L Hospital. Now, 
I have no recollection of this, whatever. But the doctor, my brother said, the doctor pulled him inside and said, I've never seen someone DT like this. Hmm. Never in my life. And uh, I mean, they were going to put me in a nursing home. And then I just snapped out of it. And three months later, four or five months, whatever it was, I was drinking again. Yeah. You know, it's like I I didn't remember. Can't remember the suffering and humiliation yeah, of yeah. a week or a month ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this like, and when I got when I finally broke in and joined the cult of AA is the way I looked at it because trust me I I, I I was drug in but I, I had no other options there was, I was like I, I was down to pretty much from my last hour they call it the last house on the block I said I, I called some 1-800 number I didn't have a car everybody knows what, like by the time you hit bottom you are at bottom I had no ride legally couldn't drive because I couldn't see and uh, there was an A meeting a mile and a half from my house and I said and I deliberately dressed as white trash as possible because I wanted no one to talk to me. I had my head was freshly shaved. I had a wife beater on, a pair of raggedy camouflage shorts, and I think flip flops. I can't remember. And I walked my happy ass a mile and a half to this meeting, and I just sat there like, "What the?" Just I was like, "This is not for." And I had to pee so horribly. And here's this guy across from me. He's like, "The bathroom's right over there." And that guy was Josh. Mm-hmm. And. uh so I met a guy at my very first day meeting. My God sent me a miracle in a gay, agnostic, left-wing man who drugged me from AA meeting to AA meeting and who saved my life. Yeah, because he was as desperate as you were. Yeah, we, we both had the exact same sobriety date. I mean, his sponsor killed himself. Yep. You know, and I don't even know if you knew this. You know, he was my neighbor. Bobby. Bobby was. I never neighbor. met him, but I could. I can look at his house out my front really? door. Huh. I've been there a few. I've been to Bobby's. You've been. You could throw a, a little bit of work with for Bobby. Yeah, you could throw a rock and hit my house. Huh. Literally. I mean, it's we're that close to each other. Yeah. And uh, and just for the listeners, Bobby ended up going back out and ended up uh, committing suicide by uh, cutting his wrists and stuff. And it was horrible. 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 I think it was a year ago. Yeah, right at July it. July is like, last time I remember why July 9th sticks well, in my head, but July 9th. It was something like because me and Josh had just met, and he's like, I've got a sponsor, but he's been MIA for a while. And that's right before Josh got his Josh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I met I met this man, and he is not only an angel to me, he's my best friend now. And uh, I was with Josh last night at Mark's reception. Hey, he stopped by the bar last night and said he was at Mark's reception. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Josh Josh saved my life more. I mean, this program saved my life, but Josh is definitely the one that, by God, he, he kept me he kept me going. Every time we were, I, he'd get to fighting with his husband, dude, and I'd be on the phone like, you son of a bloop, 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 people. And I'm like, you, I can't lose you. You're my only rock to this thing. I don't, I can't go anywhere. You're my ride. And that's the beauty of Josh. He drove me all around for so long. He doesn't even call and ask if I'm coming to pick him up now. He just says, oh, I'll see you around 6. As in, I'm picking his ass up at 6. Yeah. He doesn't even have, like, oh, I owe the man that and then some. You it's know? cool to have a battle buddy in this He is, really it, is. It's, everyone needs Josh. It's a, uh, there was a piece of time for a while where I was uh, equating it to, like, military, like, combat service together. That I don't know where any other kind of thing puts two men in the same kind of relationship except for 
And I don't have That's any a perfect analogy. I've seen people, you know, and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I watch how those two people grow together. I watch that same thing happen amongst us, you know, at some level or another, you know, and then you and Josh specifically with the same dates. And, yeah, and, and, and see, the doing. beauty of it is Josh had already been in the program. So he, you know, he had went back he out. Show some ropes a little bit. He did, he did, and that's how we ended up. He's like, man, I heard about this all men's group, and I was like, cool, all right, I'll go. And then everybody knows I'm blind and I can't see. And I sat down, I'd been in the meeting for like, for, I heard Jake, and it was Travis. Well, I looked down and I couldn't see who he was. I just wait, but I hadn't seen him in God 10, 11, 12 years, yeah. you know. And it's just cool, but yeah, I mean, I fought this program kicking and screaming. I mean, what was it? Two and a half months in, I got in that really nasty wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shouldn't be alive. Uh, the day I got out of the hospital, Josh drug me to that damn worms meeting at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm the, he dry, you have to go upstairs to get in that. No, it ain't. It's a token. What's the other one? I dragged my ass upstairs. I can't. I don't know. A couple of years ago, the token was on upstairs. They moved it, but not since then. I yeah, but I remember now. he drug me in there for that. I've had eleven broken bones, and I'm sitting there in that folding metal chair, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, Josh, yeah. just trying to get anything out of the meeting I could. I was like. And of course, me being the, you know, when you're, I think at least I was so gung ho with, you know, I don't need pain meds. Don't give me no drugs. Just miserable. God, still hurts. Still getting all the dental work done because of it. He broke all my teeth because he didn't have his seatbelt on. When he flew across, he had come across. Mm-hmm. I just found out he broke my face. So, like, when did you break your face? We're assuming when you got in that wreck. I'm like, well, tack out onto another broken bone. It's healing up nice. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Chaos. Yep. And those things, uh, you know, as crazy as it is, you know, you survive those. Everybody has these early recovery gauntlets they have to run. And and it's 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 phenomenal how normal it is. And everybody's just different, you know. And like that old crash affair, you know, that that had been the end of a lot of people's recovery right there because that would give you enough excuse to say, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> it almost did. It almost did. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but you made it through it. You, yeah. know, you got this thing which actually like forges a recovery like even stronger. Because you made it through that sober and already had such a good support group. If I wouldn't have had the support group I had at that point, via the guys at Spiritual Underground and uh, a lot of the people at the Pride and the Audubon group, if I wouldn't have already had people I could call and talk, yeah. I'd have been doomed. Right. Because I mean, uh, I only had a sponsor. I didn't have a sponsor for like my first two two months of sobriety. I didn't work no steps. I was just going to meetings, you know, and staying sober. Don't ask me how. But uh, Robert had only been my sponsor for like 10, 11 days when that happened. Mm. So I remember, and uh, so I mean, it was just madness, just madness. But I, I, I think honestly, now at first, because everybody talks about their pink cloud, I didn't get my pink cloud because again, I don't think I was ready. Like I got sober out of embarrassment, because as horrible as this sounds, like. I had to go to the doctor the day after my birthday to have a small procedure done. And uh, so I couldn't drink after midnight, obviously, the night of my birthday. So I get good and shammered. I was in bed early. I got up, went to the doctor, and by 9 o'clock in the morning, I already had the shakes. Hmm. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, I can't go 12 hours without a drink. And I'd only been drinking for like six weeks. I just came off a dry drunk because I'd hurt my knees. And I was like, and they're like, are you okay? Is this your anxiety? I'm like, no. And I had to be like, I had to be honest to a group of strangers. I'm like, because I'd already been down. I know what DTs feel like. I was like, I'm DTing. And they're like, it's when's, when was your last drink? I was like, like 11 o'clock, midnight. They're like, you're not going through DTs. I said, yes, I am. And then they just kept getting worse. I said, look, lady. Give I was me that. at the doctors? Yeah, I was, I'm at the hospital. I was like, give me, because they're supposed to do a small procedure on my knee. 
was like, go ahead and give me some Advent. And they're like, honey, there's, I was like, yes, I'm going to start hallucinating here in about an hour. I said, and then if y'all don't wrap this up, the next thing I know, I'm going to see y'all when I wake up in ICU because I'm going to have a seizure. And they kept telling me, no, 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 no. I woke up in ICU. Hmm. And when the day I got out, I called that 800 number. I was so, I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I have to do something about this. I had, this has gotten to the point. If I, I don't have been drinking because I was like, they're like, how long have you been drinking? I was like, six weeks. They're like, no, I was like, you don't understand what kind of alcoholic. I think my brain is just already so wired. I've done so much damage to it. You know, I mean, it, it causes brain There's damage. no cooker, cookie cutter. I'm yeah, everybody's different. I'd beat on this, where Nair talks about, gives these descriptions it, it, of alcohol, alcoholism, it, and, and it's different for everybody. That's why I hate, like, sometimes I hate telling my story because it's so graphic, you know, of just like, because, like, drinking alcohol always turns into a pissing contest. Like, oh, you did that? Well, I did this. And a lot of times, you know, people look at me and think I'm full of shit. They're like, hold on. And I'm like, I know, it's insane. But we're all in this together. You know, I know I shouldn't be here. There is no reason I should be here. But that's that's I tell everybody. I said, if you drink two beers a day or 40 drinks a day, like I did, we're all alcoholics. I mean, I saw a doctor one time. I don't know how true it is. He said, if you drink more than four alcoholic drinks a week, you're an alcoholic. Hmm. That's the case. I was an alcoholic by 9 a.m. on Sunday. You know, I mean, so I don't know if there's any fact to that. Yeah, but I don't know if there's, there's, you know, I've known people. I know one particular gentleman who wouldn't drink but every couple months. But when he drank every couple months, it was going to be like a four or five day spree. Oh, he just went on and a then, pure bender. Yeah, and then and then he would come off of that and go, you know, wow, to his senses, wow. and then he would go. A while, a month or two again, you know, it just wouldn't matter what the circumstances was. But he's ever been as alcoholic as I am. He just right. didn't drink like I did. And some people, you know, that's what, you know, some that's, people, I was a beer drinker. I, I did, I would drink hard alcohol at times and then there was certain things, but that wasn't my choice. Right. You know, but some people, I know one guy right now and he's not, he's not from around here that no longer drinks hard liquor. And he will tell you he quit drinking, but he still drinks twenty beers a day. There's a guy, you know, and he'll I tell know, you I quit drinking. Yeah, I only a, drink beer. There's a guy down at my dad's lake house. You know, he was a, a he was a, a bourbon drinker, but he quit drinking. He only drinks two boxes of wine a day now. Yes. I'm like, dude, no, you're you're you just switched. See, mine was like I would drink every day constantly. Yeah, I would drink every day, but then I'd go on a bender. There would be an occasional time when if I was really sick or you know get something, and it was just few and far between that something would happen that would stop me from drinking every day but i would drink oh, every no, day. I, 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 most of the time i would drink until i you know it wasn't like stumbling passing out but i would drink to oblivion to sleep you know right I'd have, right uh, i get to that had happened before i would lay my head down most of the time or i'd fall asleep in a recliner or something and uh like i said i'd wake up the next day go to work do what i needed to do play engineer all day long right and then when i would leave the work i'd go straight across the street if i didn't already have cold beer sometimes i'd have coke cooler full of cold beer in the car so i didn't have to even wait till i got across the street that, that was the beauty of barton in all them years i could just sneak one if i needed it yep you know just to get to feeling right which means and there was you, times you was talking about them bender kind of things you know sometimes it'd be where and i said i didn't drink at work but there were some days i needed a beer at lunch <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd go on vendors where I just wouldn't go to work for a week. And I would just, like, it would be like, it's fucking Thursday. I remember it being Friday. You know, like, just go on a, just uh Really? Wow. So oh, I be, never would have that. Oh, I mean, I would wake up or I'd stand. I'd go to work every day, and I would tell you that there's no way I'm alcoholic because I'm at work every day. Oh, like, if I got hurt or, like, you know, like, every time I've had surgeries, Bender was coming. Because I'd have nothing to do. Mm. 
I'd just sit around the house and it would start out innocently, you know, like, I'll start drinking at three today instead of five. And the next thing you know, I'd be popping the top. I'd have a shot and a beer at 7 a.m. first thing in the morning and then be at the liquor store waiting on them to open at nine. Yeah. And just keep it going. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've woke up the next day and been like, oh, so I went back to the liquor store. No recollection. You know, there'd be another bottle or another, you know, case of beer and be like. And you're living with a woman married or living with a woman she's witnessing all this. Oh, oh I mean, you know, like she used to say uh, her biggest fear was finding me dead on the couch when she came home from work. Because I'd go on those benders. You know, there was a there was a bad like four month bender. I'd gotten a little bit of money from something. I think I cashed out a 401k or something. And I had like five grand and just checked out for like three months. You know, bills got paid, but every other dime, I wouldn't eat. You know, I mean, when I when I was real bad and was hospitalized for a month, I weighed like 121 pounds when I went to the hospital. I was only eating like maybe four or five times a week. I just stayed drunk. I went to work every day drunk. I woke up in the morning. I had three. I'd throw up my first shot every morning. It was routine. I'd take a shot, immediately puke, then something would stay down. Drink two shots, drink two beers, brush my teeth. Usually knock out about nine or ten beers and go to work. Damn. Yeah, and I was getting up at like one in the afternoon. And then my logic at work was I could have a shot every 30 minutes. And I did that and functioned. And my money was right. The owners knew. The owners were like, we would watch you on tape and play a drinking game with you and take a shot every time you would. And we would lose. Mm -hmm. But I would pay for them. My money was always right. I used to always make a joke. If you can't bartend drunk, you're not a bartender. I mean, you know, like when I was young and worked in the nightclubs, that meant make me a shot. Mm. And we'd all take a shot or do a lot, like literally do cocaine behind the bar with 100 customers in front of you. Well, that helps you stay drinking. Oh, y'all, like, fuck. What you need, Bud Light? Yeah. $3. And I'm just right out in the open. Just a life of oh, the horror stories. I mean, I, dude, I had the party house. I mean, you, I, had a, I had a freaking hot tub in an apartment mm. and would have parties. I'll try to spend in that hot tub. He'll tell you all about it. It was, I mean, my house now, my new neighbors, I've got some ladies that live next door. And they asked, they're like, Jake, we only have a privacy fence down one side of our yard. And it's to block your yard. She goes, everyone did that. I said, they're like, what's up with that? I said, the truth. And they're like, yeah. I said, I was a single man. I drank a lot. I had a hot tub a couple of hammocks, a fire pit. I had the party house. The cops were here at least once a month. Hmm. And there was a lot of naked people running around all the time. I was like, be lucky you moved in now that I'm sober. Hmm. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, they caught me on the last, like, when they moved in, I hadn't met them yet when I was on a drunk. And I had escaped the hospital. And my girlfriends said I was dropping elbow drops and cussing at their bushes before I'd ever even met them so who knows they like me now I'm over the grass for them sometimes you know I mean they're ladies they're my age real big Democrats so I'm kind of in the middle they'll start talking politics I'm like you'll ruin a friendship just please stop just I'm gonna go back to my little white trash abode over here and be happy with my dog but yeah the madness is uh, you can look back on war stories and glamorize them sometimes and that's when you're demon you're like man you you know, fact of the matter, I had a lot of fun. I hate when people say, you know, I my, did. yeah, you know, but nearly my, killed me in the end. Yeah, you know, my, my worst day sober was better than my my best day drinking. I'm like, you're a fucking liar. Yeah, I'm like, you're full of no, no, you are wrong. I had 
But, I mean, yeah, I had a lot of fun, but, you know, drinking quit being fun when it became a job. I say, I always say, I always say it was a lot of fun until it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't one day. It was, and I don't know when that was, but it started like that. It started, that liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. It became a necessity. Like, I had to base my day. I didn't know how to do anything without it. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, okay, how many shots do I have to take to work today? So I can just get through. Yep. You're not even having a buzz. You're just not dope sick. Like if you're a heroin addict, yep. you're you're just um, staying at a level not to shake. Yep. The pain pills set in on me when I exactly. when I hit into those things, and uh, I don't know. It was like 2005, something somewhere in that neighborhood. And my sobriety date's 2015. So uh, when those things came into my life, because I never really had a, I drank every day. But I never did. I never remember any kind of uh, effects from coming off of alcohol. None. I don't. I don't recall. I don't have that in my memory. I don't know. Uh, I went to detox a couple times, you know, and and I don't. I, you know, it's uncomfortable. Right. But I right. didn't have any kind of like life-threatening detox, right, shakes, right. seizures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, none of that kind of stuff ever happened. Never got the hallucinations. Uh, the hallucinations. Stuff was oh, horrible. I, I've seen and, it. And uh, that was what, you know, you're talking, you know, I counting how many, you're just talking about how, counting how many drinks you needed, you know. Uh, my 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 relation to that is counting how many pills I had. Right. Trying, oh. to, trying to ration those to get me to the next time. I'm trying to think of which surgery it was, but my prescription was two perk tens every four hours. I did that for like 10 days. I was like, Jesus Christ. So I was drinking too. I was like, this is too much. And when I just quit taking the pain pills, because that's the thing, like, I've done every drug there is. The only thing that ever had me was booze. Mm-hmm. But I remember coming off those pain pills. I was like, oh, so this is what dope sick is. Yeah. But I had beer and booze. So I wasn't having it like someone sitting yeah. at our lady well, I would try to drink that away, but I could never, you know, and that would be the times when I'd miss work. You know, I'd have a two or three days of dope sickness to where, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. I just was non-functional, you know, and it would pass. And I'd pretend like I had the flu or I was right. sick, you know. Well, I was an excuse. Kids and, yeah. kids and wife here at home uh, just pretending like I was sick. And I remember when that first started happening, too, that I didn't know what was going on with me, you know. I got sick, and I realized, you know, like a few days later, ah, damn, that was, you know, that's what that was. Uh, and then I started being scared of it happening again. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to feel that. You don't want to feel that again. You know, that you sucks. Would go to it just about any length to keep that from happening. Oh, uh, you know, like I used to always say, you know, and, and, and this just shows you the the craziness of the mind. I'd be like, oh, you know, fucking dope addicts will steal from their family and friends. Alcoholics don't do that. Oh, horseshit! Yeah. I stole so much time. You know, like my old lady was a waitress. She'd leave her tips laying out. I'm like, oh, she won't miss a twenty. Yeah. Well, that was your all stealing. Money. Yeah, that's stealing. Oh, fuck, I bought her dinner last week. What's the problem? Yeah. I ain't got no cash on me. I need to go grab a six-pack. That's stealing. Yeah. You know, one way or another, if you've ever battled this disease, you have lied, one cheated, the, stole. One of the defense mechanisms is, uh, like people hear on the podcast over and over again, I talk about this thing being like a parasite or a computer virus where it hijacks your operating system. You know, and it takes over because I know that wasn't me anymore. You know, that's what recovery's done is allowed yeah. me to be me again. Definitely. And, and Dan is not going to do that, stealing out of the purse. Dan's not going to, you know, break into houses, stealing pain pills. Uh, and But one of the other defense mechanisms that this disease has is it's going to create that difference like that about, well, you know, addicts do this shit. And right, I'm right. Better than that, yeah, you know? I'm better than them. You know, some kind of like chain, you know, and then it all. Yeah. I've seen a poster once that had these, these links about where like, 
the alcoholics, talking about the cocaine addicts, talking about the heroin addicts, talking about you know, the meth heads and so on. Everybody's oh, going that guy, that guy hoofs oh, gas. Yeah, He's yeah. the bottom of the barrel. No, we're yeah. we're all in the same boat, dude. Yeah. But that's the that's the insanity. Like it is insanity. I just look back on it of just twenty years of just like, just the. I wouldn't say rules didn't exist, but just the things, you know, like, I think it's also a, a mechanism of us even getting sober is you look back and laugh at some of it because it's it's so freaking insane to think that, like, you know, I was talking to Ross about it today. I woke up one time in a hotel, and I was like, open up the curtains. I'm looking for a landmark. I'm like, where am I? And there's two of my buddies. And I'm like, I wake him up. I'm like, what the fuck are we? They're like, we're in Nashville. I'm like, what are we doing in Nashville? They're like, it was your idea. You drove. We'd started drinking at a cookout at like 10 a.m. That's the kind of functioning drunk I was. Now, I'd probably eaten some Xanax or Lordly Nose, too. They're like, dude, you spent like 500 bucks at the strip club last night. Nothing. Like, I don't know if that's even, but I've had a lot of brain injuries, too. So, but blacking out is a piece of this uh, I mean, thing, especially when you throw the benzos and shit like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a pretty typical thing. I was like, I remember to operate. You know, I've heard people, I heard somebody tell me this is before I was ever in AA. I was somewhere. This lady was like, I blacked out for the first time and I knew I had a problem. I was like, bitch, I black out five nights a week. And that's nothing to be proud of, but yeah. that's how I got blacked out drunk every night. One of my defense things was is to say that, you know, I, I never black out. I have some nights I don't remember, but I've never blacked out. Me and my friends came up with the loose term of a brownout. You know, brownouts were, it's vaguely See, that's familiar. What I would say, you know, I, I, I didn't black out, you know. I, oh, yeah, I didn't wake did. up in another state and not know where I was at. I didn't. <laughs> Dude, but, you know, that's it's defense things, you know, and that's. I mean, you know, one it, of my it's. King was, was I, I lived here from, we moved in this house when I was three years old. Oh, wow. I went off and got married. We lived down the road, and then in 2005, 2008, someplace in that neighborhood, uh, actually, mom, I bought mom and dad's house. Oh, that's cool. They bought our house. We swapped. Okay, sure. They downsized. All right, oh, yeah. There you, you go. Know, they wanted a smaller yard, smaller house to clean, da-da-da, and we were a growing family. And um, so I've been in this home for basically since 1972. You know, wow. I did move away and. But I still was at home a lot. Right, of you course, know, yeah. My mom and dad was at daycare. You know, my kids never had a daycare really. They always had grandparents, and so I was. I, I feel like I've been here for fifty whatever years that is, fifty one years now, um, and I almost forget where I was going with that. Um, the defense mechanism of the you know, I got this pretty nice house. I got two cars in the garage. I got a dog. I got two point three kids. A beautiful wife. I've been working the same job for twenty something years. Don't tell me I'm an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. You know, alcoholics don't get to have all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's the same. You know, th- it's about the time I come to that, I lost just about all. Right. I, I damn near lost all of it. And I, I really, but in the end of the day, you know, I lost my kids for a few years and I and I lost that marriage, you know, but all in all, I didn't really lose that much. Right. Right. Well, you know, if you look at me like if you took a picture of me ten years ago and you took a picture of me now, it's not going to look all that much different. I, I told Travis, you know, I was I was just shooting back and forth with him. I was like, man, it's my sabotage and my demon, my self destruction mode still tries to kick in. I was like, man, I don't deserve this. Like, dude, I filed freaking Chapter Thirteen bankruptcy ten years ago because I was a drunk and damn near lost my house. You know, and you're talking about that self. I was 29 years old, never married, owned my own house, two cars, mine. Furniture, mine, 
Nobody could take half of my stuff. Paid my child support. Had my kid three days a week. Well, so what if I like to party when I get off work? I'm not an alcoholic. I worked hard for this stuff. I worked hard for this eight ball of cocaine I'm going to do this weekend and still go to work and bartend, still high, not sleep for three days, you know, and continue to drink the entire time. I've got my shit together. My bills are paid. I go on vacation every year. Yep, me too. That's the way I felt. You know, but I was doing it. To me, I justified it even more than my married friends. I'm like, you got someone to help? I'm doing this. I, I did this. Daddy and mommy didn't help. I didn't have another income. I couldn't, you know, but I was lonely. I was miserable. You know, I mean... I always, I always had to have that piece of eye candy on my arm, which was all toxic. I used to say, a girl don't love you unless she'll hit you. I've been beat up by seven women, Dan. It's been me. I know it was all me. I could drive any woman to madness. Yep. Codependence is a whole nother thing. You know, because think most... about needing that girl if I don't. Well, it, uh, if I don't, if there's, if I have a, and you know, if I don't have a girl who loves me, I'm not worthy. Right. They but you also, you seek out someone like you. So yeah, everybody I had was just as crazy and just as sick as me. But then all of a sudden, they weren't as bad as me. Then all of a sudden, they'd try to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Boy, I wasn't ready to. Well, you're no fun no more. That would be, you know, like, well, where's that party girl? Yep. When I met Angie when we was 21, it was at a party I was selling acid. There you go. Exactly. A couple hundred hits that I had. And uh, and a friend of mine said, I know where you can unload a lot of that. <laughs> and I said, where? And he said, this party. Acid, and so baby. I went there, and uh, and and I was playing euchre. And that's a loser thing. Yeah, it is. It is, that's y'all Sitting, up here. That's what in the garage had two euchre tables set up, you know, and that's what in winter stays, right? And me and my buddy are tripping, and we didn't get up out of them chairs for the entire day or night. The party Solid. ended. We held the table. Solid 12-hour acid trip. Oh, and, God. Uh, and the cards just kept on coming you know all that take, weird stuff we but put, i was under the table you know i yeah what you need what you need and i and i put and then at the end of the road some girl said hey did you drive and i said and i had my eye on her all night this little blonde girl's built well and she said and, and it was another one of those miracles i thought at the time you know we'd held this table all night uh played cards we looked like to master euchre play right, yeah you know, y'all are y'all are balls you know but, <laughs> <laughs> no. But and then this girl comes up and asks me if she can have a ride home, and I've been eyeballing her all night. But ain't, but I'm not getting up and off the table to talk to anybody, you know. And I'm tripping, you know. I'm not sure I could talk, you know. I don't really know, uh, and um, you never know what's going to happen when you're doing that. Oh and, that, no! You know, you... And she partied along where I was going with that. She partied alongside me, you know. It's like a week later, so we were talking on the phone. She said, "Did you notice that somebody at that party had a lot of acid?" And I said, uh, I said, no, I didn't. I wish I'd have figured out who it was. And I was like, <laughs> I said, hmm, well, we might be able to get along after. Yeah, we might be all right. And so we partied until she hit those years where never the motherly instinct thing come in, and she wanted to have kids. And then it was time for us to clean up. Right. You know, well, and you her ready. level of cleaning up, my level of cleaning up was going to be different because I was, and she quit everything. You know, she quit the smoking pot. She quit drinking a couple beers, you know, any, everything, any of the drugs, you know, and she just put everything down cold turkey, and I kept on going. Of course. Uh, you're not the one pregnant. That's why I looked at it. Yeah, you're it pregnant. Was, I'm not. Yeah, What's the problem? a problem, too, you yeah. know, because now I lost my drinking putty. Exactly. You know? I, I think that's the story of all of us, because that's exactly what happened. I mean, I had my little party girl. She was a pro wrestler. 
She liked to drink like me. She liked I like to, to go around. I like to take her out places, and I liked that other dudes were eyeballing exactly, her. Exactly, exactly. She this, was mine. I got this hot little piece of ass on my arm, and then I knocked her up. She had to quit drinking. Well, I like you know. I told her she's like, I mean, we're gonna be a family. I'm like, yeah, but you're pregnant. She's like, we're pressed. I'm not fat right now. I'm still drinking. I mean, you're. I, I bet it sucks. I pay all the bills. You don't work. Yeah, justifying it. You know, uh, just. You're the look. I'll be there for the baby, but I'm. It's not my. You can come to the bar with me. Yep. She's I'm seven here. months pregnant. They're like, yeah, come get drunk with me. You know. Uh, and that, I mean, hey, she's the mother of my child all over to the day I die. I mean that she, uh, she's married. Uh, like I said, she's in the program too. She works at the healing place now. Oh, really? And it's nice that she actually works now. I mean, she never worked. Mine, our relationship has, since then is was really bad. She's ready to kill me at the end. You know, because I, you know, well, her cheating on me was just an escape route, really. Right. It was just trying. She's looking for a way out. It was a way out. It was a, I'm going to cross a line that I can't uncross. Exactly. will cut the wire, you know. And, uh, and then it was really bad for a few years, and that was, that was tough, you know. I mean, the one thing about it was, is like, you know, are the kids coming over this weekend? No, they're scared to come stay with you. You know, like, well, you know, what do you mean scared? You know, well, that's what they are. They're scared to come stay with you. And I had to go through that period of time, you know, and then getting sober and kids wouldn't come see me. And, you know, and it was felt pretty damn lonely, except for my spiritual underground crowd was really the only support I had at that point, you know. So I bonded there, you right. know, and I just poured all my energy into that. And over time, things healed up between me and her, you know. And after some time that I could prove that I was stabilized. And I could be a good dude, you know, and the kids started checking me out again and realizing that I wasn't being passed out on the couch anymore and, uh, you know, that I was stabilized, that I could be a decent dad, you know, and had to earn all that stuff back. That's another you thing have about, to earn like, it back. Uh, thinking about, the, you know, it just seems incomprehensible to me to throw that away today. How hard it was to earn it. I don't. I don't know if I can earn it back exactly. again. Exactly. No. Can I earn it back yeah. again if I did it? If I fuck this thing up and I have to start over again? Exactly. Any newcomer, especially because I'm still a newcomer, of course. But you know, like I expected immediate results. Yeah. Everybody. When does. I, you know, and they didn't happen. And like I said, man, me and that pink cloud didn't happen for a while. And then when I got it, it got shattered. You know, but uh, you know, it's like, overrated. I, yeah. Yeah. I was like. You know, God, everybody's talking about all this good shit, and it ain't, well, guess what? It, it, it is now. The pink life, cloud's like a new toy. My um, life is like my life is a fucking miracle right now. I, you know, like I just got a "I love you, Dad" text, man. Back in the day, it, fucking, she wouldn't text me for six months. Yep. We talk constantly now. You know, and her mom's like, "Why does she talk to you?" I'm like, "Cause I'm brutally honest with her. She's grown. Cause I can be counted on." Yeah, she and yeah, she knows I'm here now. You know, she's like, "Dad, can you help me?" Do, of course, I'll be there this time. You know, Dad ain't gonna be. Dad's not gonna be. Excuse me, I went banging some whore till six o'clock in the morning the night before he's supposed to go see his daughter perform and then yeah. oversleep and not be able to make right. it. Yep. You know, a piece of we suit up and show up. We're, yeah, yeah. We oh, oh, going to be today. A one night stand, not on purpose, but my sick, you know, alcoholic mind. I'll be fine by the morning. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get in these bridges. Oh yeah, our plans. Yeah, I mean, I had good our intentions. Plans and designs. Yeah, I mean, I, how many? T- it's the same story over and over again. I'm gonna go have two. It never works. I'll manage this, better next time. This, the, it, the, like, the idea of going back out to me now, so many people are proud of me. And it's not even that. It's just like, I need that reminder. 
of just like I literally will just sit there and think about like fuck J- Jesus Christ like you know and like like the whole thing I was talking about now like emotions like I don't know what these are and I'm kind of digging exploring what being a normal person is mm-hmm. that does that make any sense yeah. you know I'm not you know the book talks about rebirth yeah yeah it does it's like going through a birth canal again and we pop out you know and it's like everything is new again it's like okay uh how do i do this and how do i do that and i see people and they they don't even know me like i'll talk to them and they're just like dude you're like i don't know what happened i grew up born and bred in new albany man and people that knew me from a long time ago will not recognize me face to face and it ain't just because my haircut right right yeah it's something like they're like I'll say, you know, I'm Dan Reeves, you know, and they'll, because I, I have a, I have a Rain Man capability for faces and names. I'm just, I mean, it's, it's a gift that came to me in recovery at some level, you know. I've, I've come, there's times that there's 60 people in a room, an AA meeting, and I know all their first names and most of their last names. You better and I know me. a chunk of their sobriety dates. Uh, it, no, it's just some gift that come along, you know, and it's been real. It's actually come super handy at times after being around for a while because a guy comes popping in. LJ's one of them. Popped in, disappeared for a while. When he come back in the spiritual underground, I remember to him and I said, "Hey, LJ, good to see you back." And that made an impact on him at some point. Oh, hell yeah, was, yeah even hell yeah, you know. And that have, that a couple people have told me that story about when I remembered their name when they were gone for a while and they come back. That had an impact on them. That, so, but I'll be around New Albany, and I still have it. And I know, you know, like I said, this is kind of a small town kind of thing over here. Yeah, it it's is. It's a lot different than over in Louisville with it's the spread so, out. So weird uh, over here, man. I almost moved over here, Dan, before I, I bought like my house. I mean, I'm a born and bred Hoosier. I like yeah. it. I've been. I've like I said, it's I've lived in New Albany all my life. I've lived in three houses in New Albany since I was born. And so I run into people I know in the grocery store and in the gas station and that kind of stuff all the time. And I'll be right there, you know, and I look at them like, because I don't, I don't like to ignore the, my fellow human that's standing there by me, act like they're not there. You know, I don't like to do that. I say hi. I, I hold the door. I, I always hold the door. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, say you're welcome after they say thank you. Uh and that kind of thing. And if I see somebody I know, I will smile and say hi. And then you'll get that blank like, uh, hi, you know, and you don't remember me, do you? I even go work for some people sometimes, and they've called me, and I know their name. And they will call me, says Dan Reeves, DTM Woodwork, and I show up, and I go, you don't remember me, do you? Nope. <laughs> no, maybe I was that much of a wallflower. I'm, uh, I'm the guy that has, I have no clue who these people are that yeah, come and talk but to that's me. The, but my point here is the the transformation it has with us. That's where my point is, is just how much we change oh, it, being. Everything's different now. Like, uh, you know, I remember getting yelled at for, because I got in a, a physical altercation when I first came into the program. And all the guys at Spiritual Underground were like, okay, you need a sponsor. They're like, what are you doing? And I, I mean... It was a step five kind of, me and a friend had to take care of some business. We'll just put it that way. And uh, everybody was like, dude, them thoughts aren't there anymore. Like, I catch myself now, like, I don't argue. The anger in me has been put out. I've always had a chip on my shoulder. And I think a lot of that was from having little man syndrome growing up. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the biggest guy in the world. And uh, I was just... And it was probably the booze and the drugs and everything else. And just, I needed, and, 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 to, tell, I needed to convince you that I knew something like, you know, I had a, I had an inner need to debate. 
Me too. You know, like if you said that the grass was pretty green today, I would want to tell you how it was like as me. green as it was in the. You're like me. I would. I would debate the, against something. I would debate yeah, on what I didn't believe in just for the sake just of an for argument. The devil's advocate. Just yeah. to prove to you, I can out debate your ass. Yeah, and, me too. But I think I still it, have that at some level. I'll find myself doing yeah, that it, in certain it, situations. But oh, oh yeah, I can't help myself. But but I'm better. Than yes, yes. Do. I don't cuss at you at this mm-hmm. point. But no, that was always my goal in a debate was to get you to cuss at me. That meant I won. If I could piss you off to the point that you would swear at me and get up and leave, I'd be like victory's mine. But no, that's the thing. It's the disease. It ain't just the drinking. It's just the you know like alcohol's a depressant. You're depressed, so you drink. And you're adding a depressant to it. And it's just that vicious cycle that you never get out of. Yep. That things that dudes come in here and they get sober and they go, man, I'm just seriously depressed. I said, man, you've been drinking a depressant for 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I'm still going to be depressed. I, I was watching the Joe Rogan show and he was talking and this made me feel good because I was starting to think I was crazy. But apparently when you drink the way at least I did, where you're blacking out, you never go into REM sleep. So mm-hmm. you never really dream. And I, I never really dreamt. Now that's all I do. So I don't sleep very well because I wake up constantly. But he was talking about your brain stores it up, and it can, you can actually dream while you're awake. Because every once in a while I hallucinate, and I'm like, mm. now I haven't done hallucinogen drugs in twenty something years, but I have done some research, and there is theories that think that could be a possible. Like I'm not talking, I'm seeing demons or anything, but like I'll see stuff, and I'm like. I just blow it off now. I don't know if there's any truth to it or if I actually am just maybe schizophrenic and crazy. I hope not. But, you know, I mean, but just life is so much. I'm not scared anymore. I don't know. I don't know how to make it make. I don't know how to explain sobriety to think, people. Uh, my mind, I know that book well enough that my mind will always go to lines in that thing, you know, and it says we, and it's in the third step promises. It says we lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. Yeah, I mean. It, I'm t- not running scared anymore. You yeah. Know? And I told you I wasn't scared then. Right? Well, of course. We, you know, now, we, we were badasses back then. We were badasses back then. scared you know? of nothing. I, I'm not scared of anybody attacking me for any reason because I haven't done nothing to yep. nobody. Yep. I got a clear conscience. Yeah, I, I haven't cleaned I, up all my stuff. I went I, around I, and did my amends. I'm not having. I'm not done. I'm not, I, I'm not done with my amends yet. I still have a lot to do. The last one went sideways, so I'm. Uh, I think I probably ruined a, a, a long-lasting friendship. So I'm getting some some coaching. Always. I know I screwed up somewhere. I didn't handle something right. You know, I but all uh, things can be repaired. I do too because we've actually spoke since then, not on good terms, but there wasn't no. Punches flown. I was just like, are you going to hit me? He was like, no. I was like, all right, cool. And we were amongst other friends. So if he wanted to, he could have, you know, but uh, I think it's repairable. But no, uh, it's just the beauty. Like, I hear everybody on your show just love and preach and about how great the program is. And I can't I can't think of words to, to say the exact same things everyone says, but it's just the, the damn truth. Like, there's not them extreme. I miss them rushes. Of being so tore up and something insane happening, you know. But goddamn, I really don't miss the bad shit. Yeah. Life is a life is steady. And I'm at I'm at, there's a peace. I'm not anxious. My anxiety's from before. I quit taking my anxiety medicine. I don't have to anymore. So I don't sleep, but you know, whatever. Uh, I don't take the pain pills I'm supposed to. You know, I prescribe pain pills. Everybody knows that. I was hit by a semi-truck, but I don't take them. I will every once in a while. You know, I'm not going to abuse them. I throw them away at the end of the month. If i got seven or eight of them left, I throw them in the garbage. It's just, I get up every day. I eat breakfast. I pray. I meditate. I have a routine. I go to my job that I hate, but somehow it's bearable now. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at everybody anymore. The money's right. 
My bills are paid. I have a financial freedom I never had before. I've got an app on my phone, and I was very conservative. It tracks how much you spent a day on booze. Mm -hmm. I put $21. That's an understatement. I look at that now, and this is in less than a year. You know, I'm three weeks away from a year. Holy shit. I'm a bartender. I don't tell them drunks what that app says because they they pay my bills. But it's terrifying that I was probably spending $20,000, if not more, a year on booze and drugs. You know, it's like when I got in that car wreck, I didn't work for four months. I had money in my savings account for once in my life. And I'd only been sober for two months. I had an extra five grand laying around. You know, I've got money now because I can save it. Yep. I'm not foolish with my money anymore. I, you know, I don't know if you were bad about this. If I got drunk, I was a big shot. Yeah. I got everybody. Next day, I had a $300 bar tab and tipped 200 bucks. You know, well, great. Now I'm going to be broke for the next month. That don't happen no more. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy sitting at home and cooking. I'm not so hungover that I just go out and grab McDonald's because I feel so awful I can't even get up and cook something. It's just... But no, anybody who's new, just the miracles, man. Just getting your, I got my family back. I got my brother back in my life. Mom's gone, man. I, I wish you could have seen me like I am now. That's my one regret. Hmm. You know, like my stepbrother, he's he's a huge resentment. I, I That'll never be. The other day, I sent him a forgiveness letter. I sent it via text message. It said, I don't want to be your friend. You know, he got me for about $30,000. That's a lot of money. And I just told him, I said, I did a lot of fucked up things when I was in a bad way. You were in a bad way and did some screwed up things. And I said, how can I ever expect people to forgive me if I can't forgive you? It's like, I don't want to be your friend. I don't even want to see you, but I love you and I forgive you. And if that was wrong, I kind of stepped outside of the box, but I'd prayed on it for about a month and it felt like the right thing to do. I'm sure I'll get yelled at by somebody. You should have done that, but... I had, I had some people that say I should have done that. So I don't know. I'm actually asking you if that was a good idea or not. Throw well, it I wouldn't me. have coached it that way, but I don't okay. know if there's anything wrong with it. All right. Well, it, it's it, never long as we're, long as it's in the right, long as it's given in the right spirit. I don't that's, that was the spirit. I, I don't know. That's not exactly the words I put in there. Uh, you know. I didn't put in any of the stuff that he did. If I was you like, were two months sober and still early in the work, I would definitely go, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's. Right, right, right. Because, well, uh, oh, originally, two months in, I saw it. Probably, if, if I was your sponsor and you'd asked me about that, I'd have framed that up in the in the world of an amend. Right. And and executed it in the way that I coach how to execute it. Well, see, I also did this when I was sponsorless. Yeah. So that's where I, I, that's why I had to immediately get back on the sponsor bandwagon. Like, I was flying solo trying to do stuff there too yeah. long. And that, but that was a problem. I couldn't, I couldn't find a match. You know, I tried. I went outside the box. And I'm like, this don't work. This don't work. And now I'm in a happy place. You know, I guess I guess I did learn a valuable lesson. Don't go trying to do any. That's why I didn't make any amends when I didn't have a sponsor. That's a good idea. You know, I, I didn't. I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I do once in a while when we're talking about tonight's episode. Well, everybody raise your right hand. Yeah. Well, everybody I, raise your hand. I say, all right, say after me. I will not do any amends without keeping my sponsor. Yes, yes. I need you to swear to me, all of y'all, just taking that oath and don't forget it. Well, once I had finally seen, maybe I was just brain dead one day, but when I saw y'all did that, I was like, I've been doing things wrong. I was like, okay, we're just, we're going into slow motion. Like, I quit raising my hand to be a sponsor right now just because 
because I'm going through my steps again. Just I know I did them right, but I just want to do them. I want to like I'm still home in it, man. Yeah, I'm gung ho in it, and uh, but I can't wait. That's the beauty is I love like I like to get a guy to go through the work twice in his first two years. Then that's that, what I like to th- do. Th- that's what I'll, I'll be doing. Turn the corner quite as fast as as that, but there's nothing wrong with it. But right. just in my normal course of business, yeah. and the reason I do that is because that's what my sponsor did with me. When I hit like two years sober, he said, "Hey, it's time to go through the steps again." Right, it makes sense, and uh, and, and I'm glad I did. I always uh, 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 explain it like the first time I went through the steps was like going in and cleaning out a horse stall, and I just pitchforked the big turds out of it, you know, and that was good enough. That was clean enough. But then the second time I went through there, you know, we went and we got all the old dirty hay out of it. Right, we, 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 uh, we spring clean, yeah. we spring clean, we got the real then clean I went in there. again. You know, we got it all out of there, and we actually mopped. Well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Cause, you you know, know, so every time it's that peeling of the onion thing that, you know, because the fact of the matter was, I was not emotionally or uh, mentally capable, really, of digging. I was only so capable of digging so deep the first time. Right. Uh, for my, 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 uh, see, I don't have that shitty parent story. My mom and dad, been with. if she'd have stayed alive one more year, they'd have made it to 50 years. Yeah, see, that's amazing. My dad is like a superstar. In my it's so world, beautiful. Man. It's so I mean, beautiful. He comes down here now, man. He just, today, uh, it's a gift to me to be able to take care of him today. And he has a place to live and a place to and stay where he's awesome not by himself. That. See, that's, that's what he's got company. He's not sitting in some damn building by himself all day right, long. Right, you know? Of course, he's still active as shit. He gets up in the morning and goes drinks coffee with his buddies and that kind yeah, of stuff. I mean, it's just so weird how this disease is. You grew up... All star disease don't care. Yeah, and then I've got a buddy who grew up just horrible family life. I yep. mean, just horrible. But ninety, I don't eighty, never had a drink in his life. This is episode two eighty six. Uh, majority of the people that sit across my table from me are 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 a product of shitty parenting and or divorces. Yeah, I think you divorce know, is the most big one. of it. Is what's happened. You know, I, what did I see? I saw something the other day. They said that. Uh, it's percentage rate of children that commit crimes. Single mother household, you know, 60% more than a mother and father household. Mm-hmm. But they also said parent or kids raised by a single father were the same as raised by a mother and father. You need that solid male, female or male, I yeah. think. I'm you pretty know? sure, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's some biology, right? It right. takes a man and a woman to make a right. child. Don't and get me started. I think the plan is, is that it. That's the plan is that those two people continue yes, to I, raise that child. You know, I, I tell in everybody, a healthy manner. I tell everybody uh, when uh, the mother of my child, when her mother I would got, say it won't work any other way. Right. But right. I think that was the plan. That is yes. <laughs> but uh, when she got remarried, I mean, she was married like six months after we split up. I knew him before I knew her. I've never had a problem with that man. He's got a good job. He's a nice guy. He's not a drunk. You know, and I thank God that he was there when I was all screwed up. So my kid did have a positive male role model in her life. Yeah. You know, I told her straight up, I said, if you ever decide to get married, I expect us both to walk you down the aisle. <laughs> you know, I used to babysit their kid. I had a car seat in my car for their son. He ain't mine, but that's my daughter's brother. More people, when you split, especially when kids are involved. So my parents couldn't even be in the same freaking room with each yep. other and i used to tell shannon that's the, the mother of my child that's her name i used to tell her, I said we're not going to do that my kid's never going to see us fight and be them two dumb parents it's stupid it's going to fuck her up you know here she is going to graduate with you know her bachelor's degree after about three years you know because we got along yep. i'm not saying you got to be best friends 
you made a you made a little person, adult a little, and somehow we even did it screwed up. You know, because Lord only knows, I know what I was doing. She's in the program, so she was no rock star either, you know. So, who knows? I have no idea where we left off. We did Maybe. take a break. Sometimes I back up and listen to it. But we were saying a minute ago about our ability to lie. You know, I lied about everything. We joke around about that in our meetings once in a while about lying about stuff that we didn't need to. And I, you said not very good liars, but I'm... I am a fucking good liar. I probably was too. Now, I you know, look you right in your fucking oh, eyes yeah. I, and lie to you that I didn't do that. The I biggest mean, liars were liar to ourselves. I could convince myself that I wasn't I, drunk I, and I, tell you I wasn't drunk or convince myself that I wasn't a thief when I'd tell you right to your face I did not take that. Yeah, and that's some of the way I my pocket. deal with it on my own is I had to convince myself that I wasn't really that guy or else that it, shit would eat me up. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, we, we lied to ourselves more than we did anybody. Yep. And I first started stealing my pills from my mom. My mom, you know, I say that she, and she was a great lady and she did a lot of good stuff, but she was addicted to narcotic pain medication. She legitimately. And when I found, you know, and she's been taking it for a long time as I started opening up the conversations with dad and stuff but when I found her stash and I needed them the alcohol had stopped working right I couldn't get drunk and feel good and then I would come home one day and I took a couple of her pills and boom well yeah it's a, it's, you're, you're, good you're again. up you're, you're up you're rolling yeah, yeah. The, the world had turned right again God, and, uh, so she would ask me straight up you know, uh, if I'd stole her pills and I would look right in her in her eyes, man, and convince her that it wasn't me. You know, and that deal uh, we talk about, I like to say, I hear that thing about, you know, we'll steal our friend's drugs and help them look for them. Yes. I did that with my mom. Yes. I stole God. my mom's drugs and then would help her Dude, look for them. I've done, we've literally done shit like that. I mean, I used to date a nurse and uh, when she would do her rounds, if they were prescribed like, two lower tab tins. They got a lower tab and an aspirin and she'd pocket the other one and just bring them home to me. Hmm. You know, but like I said, like when I know it came, a lot of nurses that are in a lot of trouble for diverting medication. I've got a friend nurse who is on some kind of diversion program. She showed up to work drunk and uh, she has to pay to get, it's kind of like being on probation. I know when I was on probation, the Kentucky Nurse Association will test you for five years. Oh, yeah. I mean, she told me she's she's on the straight. Now, she's an ex-girlfriend. We're still friends, whatever. But uh, uh, when I was on probation, I was on probation in Indiana, though. I thought I was clear in Kentucky because I live in Kentucky. Because, like, I got my DUI over here. And how that, well, I got my reckless driving charge. Damn, this is my hand of God. Like, I don't know if the cops were following me. I was getting onto the Sherman Minton Bridge. And uh, I was climbing out the window of my car. The cops were already there. And that cop was like, brown out, as we were talking about earlier. You know, like, that's PC. But that cop was like, are you okay? And I said, no. And he goes, the ambulance is on the way. I'm like, we don't need one. And he was like, then what's wrong? I was like, you're going to take me to jail. And he goes, we've got some tests. I'm like, we don't need to waste our time. And I blew a .28 in an upside-down car. That's aggravated. I played guilty to reckless driving. Hmm. And I was put on six months of probation, and I had to take six alcohol classes. That was it. Cost me like two grand. I completely got out of it. But funny story about probation was there's two of them, two funny stories. When I did my first alcohol class, because I had to come over here. To, I wasn't allowed to drive in the state of Indiana either, so I was just breaking the law coming over here mm-hmm. driving. But uh, I, had to go, you know, I had to go see my probation officer once a month or something. I had six months of it. No, but, it was uh, in Floyd County? 
Yeah, New Albany. Yeah, whatever. Whatever county it is over here. But uh, when I did my first probation in first class, I came home. Of course, I was still drinking, still partying, and everything else. I come home, there's like 11 cop cars on my block. I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck? And I parked in some parking garage over here. And at the time, I had trashed my car, so I was driving my old classic truck. I parked in the parking garage. I didn't realize I left my headlights on. I'm pulling the driveway, and I see all these cops. I'm like, fuck this. I get in the house. I start throwing beer cans away. I don't know why I would think there'd be 11 cops looking for me. I'm in the house for like a minute. Peek through my blinds. It's the cops. Open the door. And I was like, hello, Mr. Boyer. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, yes. They're like, "Uh, where are you coming from? I was like, my drug and alcohol classes? Like, well, I mean, we know you've been in trouble with the law here lately. You sure you're coming from your drug and alcohol classes? I'm like, yeah. They're like, don't go anywhere. Shut the door. I continue to pick up all the beer cans. I'm trying to, I was like, I've got a roommate. So I've got a bullshit. What the fuck is going on? Knock on the door. Lieutenant or whatever. Guy's in a suit. Mr. Boyer? Yes. You've been in some trouble with the law. Uh, Who is your drug and alcohol counselor? I told them. They called. They're like, all right, we verified you came from there. I was like, "Uh, what's this about? They're like, why do you seem like you're in such a hurry? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, how do you think I knew your name? You had my probation papers. I dropped them out of my pocket uh-huh. in my driveway. And he goes, and your headlights are on in your truck. He goes, why are you in such a hurry? I said, I don't know. It just came in the house. I guess it fell out of my pocket or whatever. The bank right by my house had been robbed. Oh, and really? the last place the guy was seen was in my backyard. Mm. They thought I was a damn getaway driver. The other probation story is I had my last drug class and I had an amazing weekend at work. So I went ahead and paid everything off, paid my probation off. My alcohol, you know, gave him like 1200 bucks. I'm done with it. I'm going to see his probation officer and I won't have to come back here for no more damn classes and all that shit. Walk into the probation office. Little girl behind the counter goes, uh, Mr. Boyer, oh my gosh. She goes, you eating or drinking anything in the last hour? Fuck. I'm dirty as hell. I've been partying all weekend. Why do you think I had so much money? I'd partied all weekend. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna, they're going to piss test me. I was like, I am dirty. Not from just drinking. They can they can pee test you for booze if you drink in the last 24 hours. I'm like, I'm fucked. And uh, probation officer walks in. She goes, did you pay me off today? I said, yeah. She goes, I don't need to see you no more. I was like, yeah, she's like, get out of here. The girl's like, he's got to pee. She's like, oh, he's fine. I was like, that, I didn't drive over here. By hand of God, that was the last time I'd driven in Indiana till today. No, really? I had drives to hell with this place. It's nope. a funny thing about that state line. Like, guys from Indiana are feel the same way about Kentucky, and the people over in Kentucky feel like it's, like, worse over here. You know? I know. Like, my GPS sent me to 65 and Sherman Mint, and I'm like, I got to pay his damn toll now, which I'll forget about. Then it'll yeah. be in 40 bucks. I don't care. I'll find it. They'll send you a letter. Yeah, but, yeah, dude, I don't miss them days. God, I don't. Ugh. Yep, the juggling, and uh, it is, and this is, it, like you said, uh, life is just so much easier now. It's simpler. You know, it, I couldn't imagine trying to date right now, though. No, I don't date. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, I haven't gotten rid of all addictions, Dan, you know what I mean? But uh, I've had to work on in recovery, though. Yeah, but is, I couldn't I imagine. I here doing the same thing and dating girls in the rooms and... See, I couldn't imagine. Deal, man, and uh, over the past year or so, you know, I finally decided, you know, man, that ain't worth the trouble. See, I don't know how I would even ask a woman out on a date without drinking. Yeah, like, you know, I, I mean, I like to think I'm a handsome guy, but I talk to my way in the girls' pants. I can make them laugh when I get a buzz going on, and you know, and I, again, you it's, still have that though. Oh, I know, but you don't. It's not the same. Well, to learn to cultivate it. 
Now I can actually think about the diarrhea that comes out of my mouth. Back in the day, if hey, if I had a bad trying to hit on a girl, I just blamed it on being drunk. If I offended her or she threw a drink in my face or smacked me or whatever. But no, it's like everybody's like, I still haven't found my niche yet. In sobriety, like what I like to do. You this know, it's a long haul game, dude. Yeah, you know, that's why the Kentucky Nurse Association tests you for five years. You know, this is the other thing is people get sober, you know, and they think they like got the ball world by the balls, and they're, they're a year or two years sober. Oh no, man! And you know, uh, it's it's not that. You know, you was talking about like how long it takes to regain. We were talking about how long it takes to regain the trust of the people around us. You know, a lot of times it's years before. Oh yeah, I mean, I know that they can actually see enough stability in you that. They believe you actually have made it out of the woods. And that's one of the things that gets me on guys like some of the guys we've had here recently in the past couple of months relapsing. You know, one guy had earned uh, four and a half years of sobriety and flushed that down the toilet, you know, and you think you got to go back and rebuild that all over again. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, one guy just the other day, he would be celebrating six with you all this month. And six years? He would have been celebrating six years with oh, you this man. month and he flushed it down the toilet last week. Damn. Damn. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, you know. I'm not sure who that is, but I'm sure I'll know Tuesday. Because I still can't get group me to work on this phone. Quentin? I don't know Quentin. Okay. Uh, Big Country is what he used to call it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Oh, man, that sucks. And I know he won't mind. I sponsored Quentin when he was new. Quentin was homeless. And I seen him in a meeting, and he come up to me and asked me to sponsor him, you know. And I'm like, where do you live? And he's like, well, I'm homeless. I'm like, oh, I don't have any idea how to, you know, how, how do you do that? Right. And, uh, and, you know, there was times when I was going to pick him up to do step work, and he was coming out of the woods by some church by the Outer Loop in 65, some woods down there. Oh, wow. And, uh, kind of like... and he's living in a tent back in those woods and not smelling so good when he jumped in the car. Oh, well, yeah, I can see that. But yeah. I watched life turn around for yeah. him as he started doing it. And he has made so much progress in that amount of time you know and um and you know we can always you know it's not the end of the story as long as we're still sucking oxygen you know but um the what that teaches me is this thing about making sure i'm staying humble during this thing yeah. you know that i never get the i got it attitude because i watch other guys uh and it wasn't that they were doing the i got it thing i'm not saying that that's right. what they were I, doing dude, it's just but i got to be careful because i you know cutting, i know i'm just as susceptible and i'm standing at mark ryan's reception last night and he goes free beer and wine and i can't the alarm goes off in my head you can't help eight it you're sober you know I'm, it, and like, it's only for a microsecond, but like, it's still, it's like, but that microsecond is powerful enough to get me. According, you know, I happen, you know, there's some things I kind of smile because I'm standing around and Travis Miller's there, and Mike Jones is there, and Josh Mike, is there. I love Mike, dude. And we got this little circle, so I like got the safety nets hanging around right. me, you know, you know. But say that same thing happens to me when I'm around nobody I know. Oh, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. When I first started bartending again, every shift Josh would show up, and I know why he was showing up. He's making sure I was sober. I know, he won't admit it, but I know it was. He'd just show up. Giving you some accountability. He would. And I swear he'd wait to see what I was drinking. I always have my big red, you know. But no, I mean, and I, I'm on his ass all the time. Like, one of the times he was fighting with his husband, I'm like, if you need somewhere to stay, you can come to my house. I was like, period. I was like, do I need to beat Justin up? Because I will smack your husband. He's like, no, God, Jake. I'm like, I'm knocking out, you know. But, uh... Well, that, he was my accountability buddy, dude. Thank God. And that's the beauty of this program, man. I got a best friend out of the deal. I've got all kinds of new buddies, you know. Reconnected with Travis. Don't know him now. He ain't the Travis I knew 14 years ago. Yeah. But he's becoming my friend again, slowly but surely. We're different people now. I, I mean, he even told me, he's like, dude, the change 
in just these 10, 11 months. I'm like, I, I get, maybe I don't see it. We don't see it on ourselves as much as other people see it in us. Yeah, yeah. Like, people at the bar are even like, they're like, oh, I mean, our drinks, you actually charge us for all of them now because you're not forgetting. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't stealing. I just, yeah, y'all get me talking and I'd fucking drunk and I'd forget to ring y'all up, you know. But, no, it's a beautiful one. I'm, I think, you know, Everybody says this program changes lives. It does, but it changes. It's not only your life, it changes. It changes the lives of the people around us. Yeah, I mean. Particularly our family members and people close to us. Yeah, my brother brother trusts me again. You know, like. As we do our healing work, that ripple effect that happens ends up rippling into other people. Yeah, I mean, my daughter, you know, huge, you know, uh, Jen, other people close to me. It's just like so many people like. Even my old man, which, you know, he was number one on my step four because we've had a tumultuous life. Like, even he's like, you're different. Mm-hmm. And he's starting to trust me again, you know. And I wouldn't say I ever lost it because I really never did him dirty or anything. But I think he just knows I'm in a better place now to where he, he feels like, all right. Like, when my he's dad get- doesn't have to worry about me anymore. That's you know, that's somebody yeah. that phone call is going to come that I've been in a DU fatal DUI accident or I've right uh, robbed somebody and been shot or yeah you know, I, it's, uh, a, it's if that guy had a gun instead of a baseball bat we'd be dead we'd be talking we may not be yeah. sitting here right you now. know like my brother that first time when I was in the hospital he took a week off work and just sat next to me when I was dying yeah he don't have to do that no more yep. Yeah. We take that just the fact that these people around us don't have to worry about it. You know, it's like one of the gifts. My sister in law, who I always considered like a little sister, because they've been together since they were 15 and 13. You know, I mean, I've known her, and like, we didn't speak for a long time. And we had a real long talk the other day. She's like, Do you know how bad it broke your brother's heart when you started drinking again? I'm like, Oh, I'm fucking sure. That was in my amends to him. You know, and I was like, Because I was like, That had been the biggest slap in your face. And that's when he started crying. Yeah. Because I didn't realize it was that bad to him. Because, you know, I wasn't there, but I was dying. You know, like, he had the conversation with the doctors on what nursing home I was going into. Because I didn't even know my own name. Yeah. Like, I tell everybody, when I just snapped out of it, you know, I, I called the nurse. And it was in the hospital. And she walked in, and I was like, where am I? And she was like, Mr. Boyer? I'm like, yeah. She's like, what's your name? I'm like, Jacob Lee Boyer. She's like, what's your birthday? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 626-78. She's like, stay here. And I called my brother. And his exact words, what's your birthday? Hmm. It's like, what, what? He shows up. He's like, I was like, dude, what? They're like two, three days. He's like, no, a month. It's like, dude, they put you in a medically induced coma. He's like, they were going, we were putting you in a nursing home. You weren't, you were, you were a vegetable. You were stupid. You were eating remote control two nights ago. I was like, and then I went out drinking again. Yeah. You know, just a, just a, stuck him in the back. And, you know, like, even now he, like, even he told me the other day, he was like, it's starting to get real, dog, that you're sober. Like, yeah. he's like, it's like, you, you fucked me over too many times. You know, I'm sober. Now, two months later, woo, you know, partying up. Yep. Good Lord, I should have 47 different sobriety dates tattooed on me. You know, I, I see people do that early on in sobriety. I'm like, oh, watch do that. Don't do that. Not, no, not yet. Not, no, no. Get about five years under your belt. Yeah. Someone in SU just got a big one done. I was yep. like, oh, no. I was like, you're in for a long haul now, boy. You yep. can't. Yeah. You know, there is some accountability, and I can kind of understand it, but it's not good at, enough to overcome this disease. At, no. At this point, at this point, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, I've got to start filling in the little spaces I got left. But I'm just, I think that's why I got emotional when I got my 11th month is like, I actually believe I can do it now. It took 11 months for me to finally go. 
like you said, it's starting to get real. It is yeah, it's going to work for the long haul. Yeah, so I family mean, family members. You know, one of the things that broke my heart, and I would watch one of my kids would come around me whenever I was in the first few years. I'd watch them scan the table around me. You know, wherever I was sitting, to see what I was drinking. You know, and they'd look around, and I saw that little just inert that. Uh, built-in little scan of what's dad up to you know and they don't have to do that anymore you, you know, know that, they that's, can walk in and they know that everything is cool that everything you know they call me and know i'm i'm stable there's not I, gonna be a picking them up drunk I, or and it's funny how rumors get spread around because i ran into a chick that i used to date like five years ago and of course she heard about my trials and tribulations but it's how the, the rumors were even worse than they really were but i saw her and i ran into her and she grabbed me by my wrist and spun my arm around and i'm like She's like, just making sure you're not using. I'm like, I never was. I never shot up. And she goes, oh, I heard. I was like, no, babe, I was just a really bad drunk. She goes, no, I heard you were in the hospital. Like, that's heroin. I'm like, no, I did it with booze. She was like, like, people said you died. I'm like, I did. She's like, so heroin. I was like, no, booze. And she was like, I drink. I'm like, I'm not bragging, but apparently not like I did, you know, and she was like, wow. She goes, well, a lot of people thought you were a heroin addict. I was like, no. She's like, well, we saw how bad you looked. I was like, I, I've i seen pictures, and it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Well, not from yeah. like just a year ago, but from like three or four. Yeah, I don't like seeing old pictures of me. I see the darkness in me. Oh, yeah. There's, it's see, like the lights are out. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. just not home. Yep. You know, like, and it, it sucks that it'll post up, like, shit will pop up on, like, Facebook, and I'm just yeah. like. No, we won't. We just, yeah. we don't want to reshare that one. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. no. Like, I went through the pictures and deleted all of them where I had a beer in my hand. Yeah. And that was 90% of them. You know, if I was off work, if I was in a work uniform. Yeah. If not a beer and a shot, woo, glassed over eyes and, or, you know, doing a rail of, God only knows what substance. Like I tell everybody, I remember the first time I smoked meth was in my, in my house and I currently live in now. I was drunker in hell. That's when drugs always seemed like a good idea. And I remember I hit this meth pipe and I immediately was like, well, I've just ruined my life. Like, I'm just going to sell my house, get a trailer, move out to Bullitt County, start cooking this shit in the backyard, you know, not even knowing my life was going to spiral so much more out of control than it ever did at that point. You know, there's, there were so many bottoms. Like people were like, when did you hit rock bottom? I'm like, which time? Yeah. You know, I, there could be, I don't know what could get worse. I always like to say, every time I thought I hit a bottom, I find a trap Fuck, door. God damn, dude. Jesus Christ, man. Oh, my God. And like, the fact of the matter is, I really didn't go down that, you know. Yeah, I can say that one way and in another way, like I said a minute ago, I still pretty much have everything that I had. I never, I never <laughs> lost my house. I never got a car repoed. I've been jail. I can find, you know, an emotional, mental, spiritual bottom after bottom after yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I had some, some. And after people started not being wanting to be around me anymore, you know, I started losing where I didn't have. I was alone all the time. Oh, yeah. I started yeah. getting to be pretty rough, you know. You know, but even. even but I wouldn't, you know, I, fuck him. I oh, exactly. Anybody, yeah, exactly. But that was all bullshit. But you know how it is. When, you, when you're just for days on end, just getting fucked up by yourself. Yeah. It's pretty just sad. like. But then you get to the it's point. tragic. Where, then you get to the point you want to be by yourself. Yep. I don't want to be with anybody else. Yeah, like, it just, I'm, I'm just mad. Yeah. For no reason. And, like, and that's what's so weird is, it's just by the grace of God that I'm I'm not homeless. Or that, because yep. I, I, I have no clue how the hell, even in the, the just drunken years, I would somehow somehow get my bills paid. And Yeah, I mean, I was a... Dopehead drug addict, and this place kept me 24 years. 
Yeah. And then I got sober, and I worked there four more years, and they laid me off. <laughs> so they let me work for 28 years as a dopehead drug addict, and I got sober. And, and you shit did. <laughs> I will say the one thing about sobriety I don't like is why to get fat. A lot of people do. Dude, I'm like, what? What a, I got this chubby face now. I'm like, watch out for it because it's a it's a thing, man. It's a tr- it's another switch. You know, it's like when we quit doing this, we start doing that. If it's not sex, it's food, and that is one of the hurdles of when we actually start settling into recovery, is try to get a rope around. Because I'm just as liable to do, you know. I OD'd on exercise for a while, man. I did yoga every day of the week, man. And now I see, and I was in, I was in the best shape of my life. I loved it. I craved it when I woke up in oh, the yeah. morning, you know, just like dope. If I didn't do it, I didn't feel right. Right. And and there was nothing harmful about it. It was actually a good thing. But I was using it unhealthily. Right. Right. You were using it as and, uh, as and a crutch. I, you know, and I could do the same thing with food. I can do the same thing with uh, lots of different shit, man. I can do. I can still isolate like a motherfucker. Oh, I can too, man. I and can it's scary. Out, I can it's go scary. out to that wood shop, and I just want nobody visit me for a couple of days. Like I, I got, go down to the cabin and want to be there alone for days. And I like and at some level, it's good for me to check out, and it's good. But again, I got to watch what I'm doing and keep an eye on you know that uh, continue to take personal inventory yeah. and and adjust myself. You know, the other a day, lot I, of people blow up when they get when they get sober. Yeah, I mean, and I've seen I've seen so many people relapse, and I guess it's just and it's so sad. It breaks my heart every time. Yeah. It really does. Like it, it's hard, but that lets you know. I mean. I get a little bit mad. I do too. Especially if they're friends. I do too. I feel a little let down. I feel a little like uh, we have made a pact with one another. Right. We're doing this and you've you've but dropped your end of the it, deal. It I, gotta also, let, I gotta let go of that a little it bit. It also shows you how freaking hard this is. I mean, you know, like every time people are like, Oh yeah, Jake, you got it. I'm like, You have no clue. We've been teetering on a a a, a, a hair. You know, I made that walk one time, like four months in, for what almost still broke. I was standing in front of the liquor store. It's a mile and a half walk. I'm just standing there, and it. And what made me not walk in was the owner. His name's Jim. Opened up, Jake. I got your beer and your shots on the bar. Get in here. It's been four months since I'd had a drink. He knew exactly what I wanted, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I cursed at him. Because I did not handle early sobriety well. I did not handle the not being mad at people. Because I, I was pissed off I wasn't drinking. I hadn't figured things out yet, you know. And uh, I just remember I was like, no, not doing it. And then I called Josh. And then Josh cussed me out. Motherfucker, why didn't you call me before you went? And I'm like, I don't know, dude, you know. And I've received calls from the liquor store parking lots. You know, a guy calls and said, hey, man, I'm. what are you doing? Oh, I'm sitting in the parking lot. It's, I've done it going, twice now. Don't do it. Here, talk to me for a few minutes. Let's month, get out of there. A month ago, when chaos was going on in my life, you know, I did. I drove up there. And, I mean, I didn't sit there, though. I got there, and I just went, no. No, you're stronger than this now. You're not that guy. You're you don't adult. have to do this. I don't have this. Too shall pass. You know, like you're. I tell myself all the time. I'm like, you're a fucking miracle, anyways. Don't fuck it up now. Yep. You know, and and I like this. I like this camaraderie and this group effect that we have because I need that accountability in my life. I want. Uh, I need that. If I'm on my own, my own devices, I'm I, I'm trouble. Oh hell! When I, was, I need to have guys, as you know, part of the reason for this podcast is create accountability. In my shit, life. When I was running the shit by myself, I'm gonna sit here and talk this shit every day, every week. 
I better walk this shit. Exactly. Man. Exactly. I mean, there's a young lady, and she ain't a young lady, but she's in one of my other groups. And I bet I've watched her over the course of the year get 15 silver chips. But you know what? She is back. She tries. Keep coming back. And I'm proud of her for it. Yeah. You know, she's so embarrassed every so time. The only thing I did right for those four years was keep coming back. Yeah, exactly. And I tell her, I'm like, baby, and she she loves me and Josh. She's like, y'all are our heralds. Now Crow has become the third amigo with us, you know. And uh, but me and Josh got a special bond there. And now Crow is in the mix, too. Good. And, uh... But, you know, just me and Josh are always going to have that bond. She's like, y'all are our heroes. I mean, y'all know Josh has so much family. I don't know what this birthday is going to look like with him. Mm. I ain't got no family. It's me and my brother. So y'all are safe on my side. But Josh, he's got cousins. And there's liable to be a whole pride section back here. So I know Josh. It's going to be packed. And they all love me, too. But, like, that that lady, she's just like, I love y'all. And y'all are so awesome and all this jazz. She's like, y'all are just like, y'all are the power couple. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'd call us a power couple, but he's my tag team partner, you know. And Yeah, but you, you know, that's the power. That's part of the power of Alcoholics Anonymous and that kind of stuff is that you two are giving her hope that she can get there too. She hasn't got there yet. You know, I don't know exactly. what this thing is about not being ready, whatever that is, and this stumbled around. I know a guy here in New Omni now. It's been a few years, so it's probably been more like 18 now, but I know a couple of years ago I could have said, I know a man and New Albany Recovery, who has been trying to get sober. He's been in and out of AA for 15 years and still hasn't gotten a year. 15 I years. I can see how it happens, though. Yeah, me too. I, I mean... But I'm probably not going to... I'm going to quit trying at some point. I don't think I have that much keep coming back in me. I, we, I was sitting here the other day with a podcast guest and it come out this morning and I, we kind of started getting real because I was talking about this four, out, four years of before. fact of the matter is I got my first DUI when I was 16. Right. They sent me to AA and when I was 16 years old. And uh, so it's actually from there to my sobriety days, it's actually 29 years. Wow. Two years later, I got another DUI and they sent me again. And then... 19 years after that, I got another DUI, and they sent me to AA again. So the the judicial system around here has been trying to get me. Right, they've probably, been trying. Finally, something finally sparked. No, human power could relieve our alcoholism. Yeah, it's it, it's AA is weird because like if I were to fall off, and I pray to God I don't, but I can't make that promise to no one. Yep. You know, and uh, it would be hard to come back. Mm-hmm. Pride, ego, pride. My pride, like come back in there and say, "Hey, man, I've screwed up, and I need another white chip." I had a bag of white chips. See, I, I've got one. I donated them to the uh, Spiritual Underground. After a while, all the really? metal ones that matched, I had a little bag of one I, month, twenty-four hour chips, one month chips. Oh, I've got like chips. five one month chips, and you know, five two month chips. But these were separate uh, tries. Oh, well, see, no, I don't yeah. have that. Yeah. I had a number of them too because I went to multiple meetings. And right, I was coached to. Go to get, a, I was get told. a chip in every meeting I go to. Yeah, because you're like uh, some other guy. I'm there for that guy. You yeah, exactly. Somebody month needs to see me getting his four months chip or whatever. You know. Yeah, I know. It, it's such. It's such. Man, I love seeing guys get their chip. Well, where were we? Friday. Friday. Me and Josh. Not one person got a chip. Yeah. I was like, wow, man. It's, and that's that was at a, a an every month chip kind of place. You know, it wasn't like the place where they just hand like out a three, do. six, yeah. and nine. Yeah. I was like. I'm glad we do every month. I'll yeah, I think months are good. Every month's a good thing. But something good about that. It was, I think it was only like the second time I've ever been to a, a meeting where it's every month that no one not got a chip. Do, yeah. huh. not, a, not a silver chip. Not yeah, a, I was like, nobody's birthday? I was like. It's interesting, yeah. I was like, oh, I feel bad for the guy up there giving hugs, dude. I was like. Well, you know what? Tonight, this is another thing that happens once in a while. Uh, that guy fell out in our meeting. 
I was in the bathroom. I came out. I had to pee because I got the bladder of a 12-year-old girl. And I came out of the bathroom. I was like, what the hell just happened? I was like. I've seen that happen a half a dozen times over my thing where a guy falls out or a girl falls out. You know, actually, I remember one time when we kept on having a meeting, you know, and I was there. It wasn't Spiritual Underground. It was someplace else. They called 911 and the EMTs came, showed up and took care of this person. And the meeting kept on going the whole time. It didn't even, you know, there was that little stall there. But after that, a couple people sat there with him until the, EM, uh, the EMTs got him and then hauled him out of there. A girl that I used to work with, she passed away and we were at her funeral. And uh, one of my craziest of crazy ex-girlfriends was there with one of her friends. And her friend just bottomed out in the middle of the funeral. Oh, I had yeah. to bring her out in an ambulance and all that. Uh, my, uh, I call him my stepdad, even though they were never married. Uh, his dad had a stroke. It was like his fourth stroke. And we're all at the hospital, you know, because he had a stroke. But he was fine. You know, he was paralyzed. But he could talk and everything. His wife came in, got so upset, had a stroke, died on top of him. Oh, right. In front of all of us, the grandkids. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, ma'am, all dead wow. 14 or 15 years old i watched an old lady die hell when i worked at the casino i used to watch them die all the time dude really? i said no it's horrible they just cover them up with a sheet until the mts got them there really? i was like i did people step over top of them that was horrible dude i hated that job it was very unmoral dude working in a casino just <sighs> well i have a you know teach their own but i am not i've never been a gambler it's been a thing where when I gamble, my that, that's dopamine overload or some kind of thing, my anxiety gets past my ability to handle it, and I feel very antsy. I can't, like we go drinking and shoot pool, and I can shoot pool, and then somebody said wants to play for a dollar. <laughs> I, can't I, you can't, I can't gamble, man. I can't buy a lottery ticket. Oh, wow. Uh, it just is not, it just goes against my grain to fool around in any kind of, any gambling like that. Now, my money's in the stock market. Oh, I've got it. And I don't have, like, the same kind of thing going on there. Uh, but as far as, like, betting, even, like, my work would send us, would take us to the boat once in a while, and they would give you money to gamble right, yeah, with. Yeah. I didn't like gambling with their money. You know, I'd give it to one of my buddies that was there with me. I just couldn't do it. Gambling addicts. And I have a similar kind of thing about the drinking institutions today. I just, I don't, it's like, it's a poison that damn near killed me. And I'm like, you know, almost to the point of, you know, prohibition type of mindset of uh, they shouldn't sell that fucking poison all over the place. You know, you know it, it, and it, if you are going to. You know, they need to open the gates then and let them sell heroin. I think they should. Let them sell meth and let them do everything because you cannot tell me that the alcohol, because if you look at the at the stats, alcohol is doing more, making yeah. more problems than all the drugs you are know, to begin with. And everybody goes, like you were saying earlier, fucking drug addicts, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I'll say this, Dan. I've never met a pothead that went home and beat his wife. No. Nope. Not once in my life. And, uh, hey, I don't condone smoking. I, I, I don't smoke weed. I, never I have. But uh, I'd much rather see my daughter with a joint in her hand than a beer. Me too. Because I know what alcohol did to me. But, uh, you the know. The thing is, is, you know. But what, what we do don't stop there. Right. You know? but, yeah. I also don't know a lifelong pot smoker that doesn't do anything else. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it, at what point, what what do you consider a bad drug and not a bad drug? Because, yeah. you know, at least if they made, say, heroin and everything legal, they'd at least know what's in it. Yep. It you know, you got people. The drug supply is not safe. God damn, you, you, the, the damn pharmaceuticals got us all hooked on pain pills and you took them away. Now you buy a lower tab on the street, it might kill you. Mm -hmm. It's going to have fentanyl in it. 
You know, before I got sober, my I was legitimately at. I'm, I'm, I'm a professional wrestler. My body's banged up. Well, guy had some older tabs at work. I said, let me get one from you. Here's ten bucks, whatever. I chewed it up. I was like, that is. I don't know what that is. But it wasn't what. That I was did. not. I was high, but it wasn't what. I, I am a connoisseur of all things drugs. Yep. And I was like, that's a buzz I don't recognize. Well, my daughter was buying those what they called thirty perks. None of them were real anymore. And none, none of them were real anymore. You know, and they she were was rolling real the thing. dice with them, and They're, she explained to me like, because I couldn't get it in my head, because I know even like, because I was getting up to where thirty was not really that big a deal to me of hydrocodone or Percocet. You know, I mean, I could take a thirty, and that would just get me to lunch. Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's part, it's and, party going. I was and, never there with the pain pills. Uh, you know, I would need, you know, I'd need. All day long, you know, conservatively, I'd need three times that much to right, get me right. to dark. You know, I could take 30 in the morning and get up and get to work. And then sometime around lunchtime, do it again. And sometime right, about yeah. after work, take I another 30. Mine. You know, I always snorted mine. See, I never did because of the fucking Tylenol in them, you know, because I was always getting the acetaminophen stuff. And I was had that crazy concern that I was going to OD on Tylenol. <laughs> you know, I know the wackiest stuff that we do you know I thought because that was what and actually people who take too many hydrocodones and Percocets the things that are primarily right. Tylenol that's what gets them wow. it ain't the dope that gets them it, uh, the acetaminophen wears out your liver huh and because uh, it's like I can't remember it's like it's 20,000 milligrams of acetaminophen is a is a fatal dose and that knows and you know if you get those ones that have uh, 500 milligrams in them You know, that's 40 in a day. You could be at a little right, yeah. dose, and that's not undoable. I mean, I, mean, I take. Not, but she was telling me what those do, and I'm like, oh. and but when I started putting it together with that fentanyl in them, you know, and she would talk about the roll of the dice. You know, some pills were good, and some were right, not yeah. good, and some were scary good, where you thought you were going down, you know, you thought you were going I mean, down. I've met, I've met. And still to do that, you know, the, the mental. It, that's how sick we are. That's how sick we are. To put the bullet in the cylinder. Spin it and I mean, stick it to your head and dude, pull the trigger. I have done so much cocaine in my day, and every time it was different. It depended on what they cut it with. You don't know what you're putting in you. Yeah. And, and it's now, the truth. My understanding is there's no drugs that are not contaminated by fentanyl today. No, That's, even cocaine. Before meth. I got sober, I partied with a 22-year-old kid, the kid that tried to kill me with the car wreck once I did get sober. We went out and got, and I'm using quotations for those who can't see me, cocaine. Air quotes. I did one line of it, and I looked at him and said, this is not cocaine. I said, I don't know what it is. I said, I think it's some fentanyl with some meth, and they put some orange gel in it for a numbing factor. But, I, I mean, I was up for two days. I was like, this is not. First time I did meth, first time I snorted meth, I thought that the girl girl pulled, we was down at a biker bar in New Albany, and I got pulled in, and the girl said, you want to do a line? You thought she it was jerked me in the jerked me in the girl's bathroom and cut it out on the toilet tank. And, uh, and I, yeah, I didn't even ask. She said, do you want to do a line? And I just assumed she meant Coke. I didn't. And then when I did it, and I was like, whoa. That's different. And later on in the night, you know, I was asking a buddy that I was with that night. And I said, you know, what? whatever her name was, Shelly asked me. And I did a line with her in the bathroom, man. And I said, this is something different. He goes, oh, that wasn't Coke, dude. That was crank. Yeah, crank. But and, every uh, year you hear the old timers say crank, said, it's just meth. Can we get some more of that? Yeah, that's yeah. That's what I'm, you know, the whole shift in the verbiage and stuff. Like, I didn't know heroin addicts growing up. I didn't know anybody True. from heroin. If I'd have found it, I'd have used it. I guarantee it. If it had been available to me, I'd have used it. Did it one time. And that's that's the one thing I could say that I, I did it when I was young, though. So I never knew it was even available when I was young. It wrestled locker room. It, uh... It's, it's before I even considered myself. I was in my 20s, and I did it once. I snorted it, and I was like, keep that away from me. 
that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's the one drug I could say that was, thank God, it would have been a problem. Well, I was making the transition at the end, even after I'd broken that house. Uh, me and a guy sit, and he went and got some heroin, and we sat here. You know, it was a me. I was buying. He was. It's cheaper than pain pills. And then the dude stole the hundred dollars from me, and I had such a resentment that I said, "I'll never do that again." You know, and it was like a month later I was sober. I, my, for whatever thank reason, God, the dude. miracle happened, and that's my sobriety what? day. But it is a thank God because, my- you know, even I'm, you know, I'm sitting here with knowing that I got. At that point, you know, and, and the chronology doesn't work out, and I can't hardly say because they said at first it was six to 20 years, and they weren't going to hit me with the maximum, but they were sitting on six years for a while. <sighs> you know, buddies, people, friends around here said, so don't worry, in Indiana, you only do half of that. And Still, yeah, yeah, three, yeah three, oh, three years of life. life. Yeah, that makes me feel great. Yeah, and, sure. And I'm sitting there with those kind of consequences on my shoulders. Anything about doing heroin? And snorting heroin on that table right over there. You know, it's, it's amazing. Like a, Insanity, you know. You know, when I got my DUI, and uh, Indiana let me bail out on a Sunday. Y'all are weird over here. Yeah, it cost me two hundred bucks to get out of jail. Yeah, I had no ride. I had to call my dad to come get me. I had cash, but they take my cash and put it on a check. You know how embarrassing it is to deposit that check back into your checking account. I had like twenty three hundred dollars in cash in my wallet because I was a lunatic. My dad's always been the one to come bail me out. But what? Oh, it's the only time ever because when I call it, he goes three of them. He goes, which one of it is you? I was like, it's me. He goes, oh, you finally joined the club. Let me guess, DUI, where you at? I said, Indiana. He goes, what the fuck are you doing over there? I was like, I don't ask. Yeah. Well, that's one of the other, you know, every time I did something over here, where if I get picked up for a possession of marijuana or worse, uh, we got caught one time. We had pot and acid and beer and liquor with us, and we were 17 years old or some shit. Uh, but every time over here, your name goes into New Omni Tribune. Right. Yeah, oh yeah, oh so that's yeah. another thing. My mom and dad didn't have to deal with with Solar Dan anymore, you know, because time and time again, there's your name popping up. Embarrassment, and dad knows everybody in town, and you know he goes and drinks coffee, and they go, "Us all Dan's name." In the yep, paper. got him again. Didn't when it? I did that, when I broke in that house, my name was never in the paper. Really, it never hit the fucking paper. Wow, it's one, lucky on that it's one of the things on my miracle list. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a miracle right there. Because I would look at it every day. Scared to death. up on the internet. Look at it and wonder what day is it going to be on there, and it never did. I didn't think I well, spared that last time I'd be embarrassed well, by me one more yeah, time. Yeah, my lovely best friend, old Josh, found my mug shot online and was like, Who you looked rough, dog. I was like, Oh, I'm still, I'm blitz drunk, but uh, ugh. and I remember when uh, you know, when the methamphetamine started hitting the news, I didn't know that was crank, yeah, I didn't know that was what we called, you know, I'm talking to somebody, oh no, that's just. Oh, like, oh, yeah, well, I, was, I would set up my thing about, you know, fucking dope heads. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't, don't you done did it. Uh, and I would go through these phases where I would stop that stuff. You know, I never did. Outside of the pain pills at the end, and that got its claws in me deeply, and I, and I couldn't do anything. But, you know, like my senior year in high school, I had a buddy who was a coke dealer, and he didn't have a car. And I played chauffeur for him. And, and you I got free coke? Him up for, pick him up and take him to school in the morning. And when in the evenings, we would ride around, and he would go in places, and I'd sit in the car, you know, and he would give it to give me free stuff. And, like, my recollection of my senior year today is that, you know, I was high on cocaine most of my senior well, year in high school. But I, then I quit. Well, and I patted myself on the back. Oh, yeah. You know, and tell people, oh, yeah, I used to do a lot of that, but I quit. You know, and, but I'm sitting here with a beer or whatever my next drug is. That, that's, and then I went through a meth phase where they, when that girl 
did that. You liked I, it. Next, the next day, that guy told her that night later, whenever I said, you know, that, and he said, oh, no, that was crank, dude. And half the price. Said, can you get some more of it? He said, price. oh, yeah, I can get more. So there I went through a phase where I was getting that shit that's, all the time, and then I stopped. That's the thing. I was able to quit everything but drinking. Yep. I mean, just on the drop of a dime, just like, all right. Or, or, I never worried about anything but drinking. You know, I was like, man, I got to get some pills. You know, I just do a shit ton of pills. He's doing a shit ton of coke, yep. done a shit ton of meth, done a shit ton of... Like I told somebody one time when Molly was real popular, you know you've reached bottom when you're in a bathroom stall and your buddy looks at you and goes, man, if you want to get really fucked up, just booty bump it. Yeah. I was like, what? He goes, he stuck his finger up his ass with a Molly pill. And I was like, and then I did it. And I was like, wow, I've done shoved a pill up my ass. It was it's always like, did it fall out? I was like, no, it just kind of sucks up and goes away. And I was like, and here I am in this club, destroyed. But then the next day, I'm like, I literally stuck a finger up my own ass to get high. Like, where have I gone in life now? Yeah. Like, where am I at that this is what? And that's hell. That was 15 years ago. I had a lot more damage I did to myself. There was no no warning signs, you know. I mean, my brother, like to this day, he'll he'll tell me stuff that I did. You know, like when he had his apartment next yeah, to I me. I almost hate that when people tell me things I did that I don't remember doing. Oh my God, it's so it's. Uh, my brother's like, dude, you were like, thank God you're sober. He's yeah. like, you were a fucking lunatic. He goes, man. He goes, he, and he goes because we used to, we were always roommates. And then well, I wasn't even bad. Then I was just a whore. That's when I just had random girlfriends over all the time. You know, I I tell everybody I was I started dating. My boss at work, and she was a married woman. I was an alcoholic, of course. Her husband walked into work one day and said, who's Jake? I was like, oh, shit. I said, I am. He's like, we need to talk. So we went outside. I told the guy, I was like, first things first, you don't get to hit me. I was like, so get that out of your head. We had to talk. Poor guy was crying and everything. I just told him, I said, dude, I ain't no special guy. It's just, she ain't happy at home. If it wasn't me, it'd be so. They didn't fire her. They sent me to a different store. I mean, damn, if there wasn't a hot-ass married girl there, too, so I started messing around with her. Me and my brother lived together. There was a knock on the door. My brother's, I'm drunk, and he's smoking weed or whatever, and he looks at the people and is sort of laughing. And I was like, what? Well, he goes, it's for you. I'm like, well, open the door. He goes, no, it'll be a lot funnier if you do it. Well, open the door, and I have these two married chicks yelling at me because I'm cheating on them, and I had to just stop them. I'm like, you're married. Y'all think I'm faithful? Like, it's a miracle I've been shot some of the horrible things I've done to women and I used to always say a married woman's great. You just send her home to her husband. I'm, I'm going to pay for these things. And guys that can't, you know, well, the, the thing is, is you, you said something key there, and that's what my thing was too, is that uh, if you're not meeting her needs, she will go get it elsewhere. I thought that is not, it's very rarely sex. Right, exactly. I just want a companion. It's companionship. With you know what? to listen to them. A, a buddy of mine, and who's clean and sober now, he's not in the program, but. You know, he's doing well, but, you know, like his wife left him. And I was like, dude, you were staying out all night, every night. And when you were home, you were coming off a three-day meth bender. Yeah, you're a real prize. You pushed her and she cheated on me. No, no, dude, no. no. I've you had, pushed her out. I've had that. You know, I was completely drunk. She found someone else. I, I She didn't cheat. I pushed her in the arms of another man. Yep. That's my fault. Yep. We ultimately have a love affair with the substances. And we're oh, yeah, I mean, them, actually, because energy that we should be putting into our relationship, I, we're putting into this relationship. I, 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 chose, or dope, dope. I choose booze and dope over everything. Yep, over everything. It, 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 it's sad to look back on, but I mean, you really think about it. You know, yeah, I was there. Yep. 
The Physical, word that keeps coming to mind to me is it's tragic. It actually is. It's tragic of you know, what we've done. I, I, I was, yeah, I'd always be where I was supposed to be 90% of the time. Was I there sober? Probably not. Yep. Was I fully checked in? Probably not. God damn, I'm fucking hungover. Yep. You know, when's this damn thing over? Yeah. So I go have a beer. Well, she stopped talking so I can. <laughs> fucking dates with girls? Like, just shut up. Are we going to hook up or not? Yeah. If not, can I just drop you off? I'm going to go hang out. Yeah, I'm just going to go get sloshed somewhere. Drive me crazy. Yeah, like, look, like, like, I'm on my fourth beer. Apparently, you're not a drinker. We're not going to get along, sweetheart. So let's just wrap this up. I'll pay for dinner. I'll take you home and we can be done with this. You know, I'd much rather be boozing it up somewhere than dealing with you. Nah, them days are over, though. Hopefully. Forever. Well, thank you for coming over today. And, Definitely, uh, Dan. Sharing the stuff with us. It's been a good episode, and uh, I I really do appreciate it. I'm going to get Josh next. Get him. He needs to. He'll be a lot funnier than me. No, I, was, I, I want Josh to start going before, because, like, when he shared and he got me laughing so bad, the next time I got to speak, I was more, like, in me, like the first time I spoke, I was terrified, so I was kind of terrified today. Yeah. But when I watched Josh that day speak, I said, oh, I'll speak in Campbellsville next. Watch this. Tore it up, dude. Got a standing ovation. Like, yeah. I like that better. Josh Josh is just it's my homeboy. Dude, dude, man, for sure. You know, that's another thing about hanging around AA, man. There's, some, you, there's a lot of cool characters, you know. There's I a mean, lot of different people that, uh, he, you know, and then you look at them, you know, and most of us are salt of the earth kind of people, ultimately. When you get, we, we'll work hard, we're loyal. All that stuff is stuff that we weren't when we were using. Right, what well, we wanted so to we be. We were like more so today than ever, you know. Well, that, that's uh, the thing. I just think ride or die kind of stuff, you know. That's the thing. We were just riding with the booze. If we wouldn't have the booze in our life, we'd be these great human beings. It's just we, that got a hold of our priorities. Yep. We we're come per- in here talking about what a fuck up we are and shit, a pile of shit and all that, but that's not really the truth no, because I, I, it's been buried. It's yeah. been like taking order and spreading it all exactly. over. Exactly. That's what I, I tell people now, and I'm going to end me talking and we'll wrap this up. I'm proud of the fact that I was an alcoholic because I'm oh, yeah. one hell of a fucking man now. I'm proud of the I'm guy thankful. I am now. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad I was a drunk. Because I didn't have these tools and I didn't have this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be the man I am now. And I might be a little late for certain things, but by God, I'm here now. Enjoy it because I'm going to love every damn second of it. So. Amen. That's yep. the way I look at it. I'm, I am proud that I'm an alcoholic. Yep, I remember hearing early on people would say, I thank God that I'm an alcoholic. Up, they'll share, you know, and it didn't make any sense. Oh, it didn't. It does now. What? It does now. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without it. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have the truth. Would you go back and change anything? You know, and I'm like, no, because if I'd have changed something, then I maybe the only thing I would like to change if I could is that I wish I wouldn't have hurt as many people. Exactly. That's that's what I would change. I just wish I wouldn't have. I wish I'd have sat alone instead of hurting so many, especially females and my daughter. Yeah. I just hurt so many. That's the thing where the regret is. The regret of the journey, not really. But I wish I didn't hurt as many people. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I. That's at the top of my list today. Yeah, it always will be. I mean, that's just something. So, but in our sex inventory thing, we do this thing, and I was taught to sex ideals. You know about what, how I want to behave and sexually from here on out. And my primary thing is I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. Right. And I don't know if I can stop from doing that. Right. I don't know that I have the power to not do that because I have hurt a couple of girls that just didn't work out. Right. Uh, and it hurt them. Yeah. Oh, uh, they really liked sober Dan. And and. Dan ran to the end of his rope, and I had to look at my, you know, that's on me, and I took it. I, I own right. it. But, you know, over, over and bigger than that, one of my mantras is, you know, is, am I going to cause any damage by what I'm doing right now? And if the answer is yes, if I'm going to hurt somebody, then I need to really be looking about what my next step, what my what this next action is. Yeah, it's the scariest part about this program is I care about other people instead of myself now. 
That whole self-centered guy. Yep. I don't know when y'all got rid of him, but this program, he checked out a couple months ago because, like I said, it took me I don't, I know what I bought in. It, I think everybody's different. Like I it said, is. everybody's different. I'd see people at one month on that cloud, and I'm like, fuck you and your cloud. Yeah. I don't know why I even come to these. I got this damn dude right here that makes me go to these meetings, but one day it made sense. But, uh, Keep Thank going God back until it. the miracle happens, you know. And it does. And it does. If you put in the work, if, hey, if this program can save a wretch really like get, me. I really get confused about guys like the guy I was talking about before, about the 15 years trying to get a year. But I think the bottom line is is that the, those people are not actually executing the steps and working the steps in their lives. That's where the thing is. If you come in, I'll say this thing over and over again. I can guarantee you. That if you'll work these steps and practice these principles in your daily life, your life will get better. Yeah, well, I mean, I it'll guarantee work. You. He might just maybe he just hasn't found just the right hasn't sponsor. Been the ready yet, or, or just the right time. Yep, the right time. Right sponsor. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables. Yep. At know? one point, he come up to me after one of them shares I did about you know if you're having a problem, maybe you don't have the right sponsor. And then after that meeting, he come up to me and want to know if I'd sponsor him. I'm like, oh, that's not what I meant, dude. <laughs> and I did for a little bit. And really? we started doing the work, you know, and I was like, okay. And then he poofed. And I like, you know, and I, he not answering his phone. He lives just down in New Albany. I went down there. And his truck is in his uh, in his apartment parking lot. And I put my business card underneath the windshield wipers. And a few days later, I get a phone call. And it says, uh, hey, uh, I found, you know, do you know XYZ? I said, yeah, I know him. And he said, uh, how do you know him? And I said, well, I'll just be honest. Uh, I've been sponsoring him lately in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's how I know him. And he goes, all right, well, I'm his brother-in-law, and I saw your business card down there in his truck, and uh, he's locked up. Oh, shit. Uh, again, you know. Right, right, again. And, yeah. And again. Gotta love the again. And when he come out, you know, and I'm always ready to say, okay, that's just a just, just a stumble. It's a hiccup. I mean, it doesn't have to be the, like end, the end, you know, but... You know, he had to, once he lit off that allergy, it was going to be a while before he was actually going to stop because prison or jail, his jail term, I think he had to go for like four days because it was like his eighth DUI or something. (laughs) (laughs) And and he actually told me what happened is that uh, he said he showed up at our house asking for money and I knew he had been drinking and we told him to go home and uh, asked him how he got here and he said he walked. And he said, as he walked away, I followed him, and he got in his truck. And when he got in his truck, I called the cops on him. And that's that's the kind of stuff, you know, that people have to do to get, you know, to give you a swift kick in the butt man, to try to make hey, a change because they're they're I, over him. You know, that that's that's the thing, man. I don't know what was different this time with me, but no one really gave me that swift kick in the butt. Yep. But I, I, everyone's different. Besides that trip to the hospital. Just kept drinking after that. Yeah, but like I, I was six, the, the, my, the distance between my arrest and my sobriety date six months. Oh, like I still said, didn't happen right then. And what yeah. like I did that and then got sober. That, I did that, and the next morning I was getting the pills I stole out from under right. the rock in the backyard. Yeah, well, see that trip to the hospital was what started this motion into me because that's when I and then I fell off. But I fell off for like four months, and then I, I jumped back on for two, and then I fell off for six months, but I jumped back on for three, like. The, after that hospital trip, I knew okay, we something's got to change, but it didn't fully click. Yeah. And then finally, embarrassment got me. Like I said, I was like, I can't go twelve hours yeah. without shaking. And I met, and I, I found you guys. Your own ego kicked in and went, "Golly, dude, come on!" It's exactly what I, I was like. Really? Yeah. How the hell this is I, where I'm at. That's what, that's really where I was like. I've been drinking six. I can understand when I drank for twenty straight years, 
but I was sober for three, my mind sober for three months. I've been drinking for six, and this is where I'm at. Yeah. But binging the whole time, couldn't work. Start drinking at eight a.m. You know, but still, I was like, wow, no. Hey, found AA, and yeah. thank God for it. Takes what it takes. You takes know? what it takes. Uh, I get frustrated with people. Uh, it's one of my defects is I think that you I, if you would just do it the way I think you should uh, right and uh, and but that's you know that's that's that doesn't work around here it's it's got to be on your timeline it's got to be it's a bigger job than Dan can do bigger job than any of us can do you gotta yeah. do it yourself I have to, when you'll hopefully you'll get there pray for you Day. cool brother any final words any final thoughts thank you very much for having me over Dan I appreciate it thank you for everything you do for all of us at Spiritual Underground too oh, by the right. way you don't get you don't get enough credit for everything I, you do dog so I love you bud man. just want to tell you that participating in my recovery too but participating well, you in keep my me sober no way bud so I appreciate just it Dan thank you very much you, man close us out like I always do if you're not having a blast in your recovery it's your own damn fault actually I'll revise that if you're not having a blast in your recovery, you're not doing it right. Because I think there's a, a lot of fun to be had here. And if you're not having fun, uh, you need to figure a new way to do it. And thank you all for allowing uh, <sighs> for allowing Jake and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner today. Peace out. Later, guys.